Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Audio courtesy of Valley Sports. I thought it was one of the best wins of the season so far, and I'll tell you more about that later on in the show, probably at 7 o'clock. Just want to let everybody know I've already texted Joe Thomas. Can't get him if you don't ask. I've already texted Joe Thomas. Tone, you were there. Bill Callahan is leaving us. So, I was going to say this is a big blow, but then our fans got mad last time we were talking about it being a big blow, and they're like, we're going to survive. And I'm like, well, I didn't think the team was going to move over the Bill Callahan. So, there's got to be something between this is the end of the world for the Browns and, yeah, maybe it's not uh, not not – not, not the t- most terrible thing in the world. Maybe we'll survive. Well, like, he's got to be something in between. He's not a he's not a mortal. He was going to leave at some point. Uh, but also, those players he coached don't just lose all that information, right? And ability. Uh, no, but that is a weird thing about coaching. He kind of eh, how to. Okay, like the new guy coming in who will probably, I mean, I'm imagining it was his assistant offensive line coach will probably get bumped up at this point, but we'll see. Um, it isn't like they're going to sit there and talk to each other like Joel Batodia and going to rally the guys around and go, all right, let's remember what Bill told us here. Like, that's not going to happen. No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, what are you saying? Owen? I'm saying they're not going to go, wait a minute, so who's the mic? They <laughs> <I> go, where? <laughs> that's not happening. They know how to do it. They were good players. He obviously was very huge in Dewan Jones' development. And right? now that he's not there, do you worry about Dewan Jones' development now, coming back from injury? But that was that was a situation this year. If you mm-hmm. ever listen to people in Philadelphia talk about what happened there with Steichen leaving, right, and yep. and the coordinators leaving, most of the players were the same, right, in Philadelphia. Yes. So it is always that. Like I get what you're saying, Owen. Because it shouldn't matter, right? Guys should guys should know what, what's being taught. That should be the whole point of coaching is not just to absorb that for yeah, that Steichen day. Wasn't, his impact wasn't as a position coach, though. Well, just as the coordinator. It was yeah. the coordinator. That's a lot different than coaching an individual position that is a unit within the bigger group of offense. And offensive line coaches are – the highest paid. I didn't realize that of any personnel group. So you're right about that, Owen. I I just I just know people lose more sleep over losing their coordinators than they do normally their their personnel coaches. Yeah, because we only pay attention to the coordinators. I mean, rarely do they show the offensive line coach on the field 
are on the sideline. You understand what I'm saying? Like, they don't really show. Like, Bill Callahan, they might show him because he is a former Super Bowl yeah, he went to the Super Bowl. Coach. And he was also one of the coaches at Nebraska at one point. Like, they show him because he's been around the league for a long time. But I don't think – I'm pretty positive 99% of the time they don't show an offensive line They coach. never showed Bob Wiley until we saw him do yeah. the, the gut yep. set hunt thing. Like, we would see Bob Wiley and we go, ooh, look at this unit. Love this guy. You can tell this guy's got a story to tell. And boy, did he ever. What a mysterious individual. Big fan of Bob Wiley. Are you surprised However, Browns didn't put up a fight? No, it's a son. What are you well, some people to are. Do? Some people. Some people no, are living. They're on. saying you can't tell us how important this guy is, and then let him just walk out the door for nothing. Who said that? I, I mean, that was that was something. Was that this Dennis sixty nine sixty nine, or was this like a real? No, I mean, remember this was Ross Tucker came on and said, "Why can't you trade him?" Like, if he's as valuable as you and I think he is, he how did the Browns not get something for him? How did they not elevate him? Uh, what was his contract situation? Seven-year-old man. It's his son. What are you gonna do? It's his son. If he just what, like, you can't hold him hostage. He would just go. Okay, I'm just gonna yeah. go home. Yeah, like you, he, you can't. You and I, you and I know that. I'm just, I'm just talking to the fans. That if guys like us are telling you, and the Browns are telling you, and Stefanski told told you what a key hire this was. Yeah. Remember when they hired Callahan yeah. around the NFL? I we could go back and look at the archives. Yeah. We had people saying that might be the most important, kind of like when Urban Meyer had a strength and conditioning coach the day he got hired at Ohio State and brought him in from Florida. They're like, that's the biggest hire. That's not a coordinators. That's the biggest hire. With the Browns, when they hired Stefanski, I remember people were saying Bill Callahan was the most important hire uh, for a young head coach like Stefanski who was going to get his bearings, who hadn't had that kind of leadership role. Bill Callahan was the most important hire. And now we're coming off a, a season – that you know now this offseason we're like where where's this whole thing going and you lose that guy I can understand some fans going you didn't put up a fight you didn't give him a raise you didn't you didn't you're Haslam's you have more money than anybody you're everybody's bragging about how he can do things with the salary cap no one else can do because he'll yeah. pay you can't do that with your coach that's what the fans no. I could understand saying if he wants to go coach for his son or with his he's gonna go do that it's a terrible look to to try to get in the way of something like that. So, come on. Say, gotta, aren't the Browns all in? I thought the Browns were all in. Doesn't seem like they're all in if they don't want to keep you, the most can, important can position coach in the league. That, that these are not your opinions. No. Apparently, these are opinions of Browns no, fans. When Listen, we, we made it very clear. When Brian Callahan got hired, me and you thought, bye. Yeah. Goodbye. Yes. That's the end. And by the way, the Tennessee Titans have messed everything up for the Browns. Explain more. So... Show your work, I will if show, you will. I will show my work on that. So, Tennessee had nothing to play for in the final game of the year against Jacksonville. Okay. All Jacksonville oh, had man, to do. That's right. All they had to do. And and Mike Vrabel was their head coach, and his teams don't don't lie down. And now he has since been fired. But And for what? He was put down. But last game of the year against Jacksonville, they beat the Jags. All the Browns fans were watching that game. Yep. Because we thought... Not only was Jacksonville going to win the easy game mm -hmm. when they had their playoff hopes on the line and Tennessee had nothing to play for. They were going to win, and then there were going to be 75% Browns fans in that stadium. We had just beaten Trevor Lawrence. We had just beaten that Jacksonville team, and we, our defense made, made him look pretty bad, I thought. And so a rematch in Jacksonville, 
We weren't worried about going there because we knew we'd take over the stadium. Instead, Tennessee beats Jacksonville 28-20. We draw Houston, who we had also just beaten, but no C.J. Stroud. We go there, and while we took over the tailgates from people that were there, there were like 15% Browns fans. It was not a home game. It was nothing like it. Mm -hmm. So we get clobbered, and Vrabel's out the door. They hire Brian Callahan. And Callahan, of course, they hire the one guy who's associated with your best position coach, the son of your position coach. They screwed up everything. Tennessee just doomed the Cleveland Browns forever. And you know where our owner is from. No, I'm just kidding. Last part, I'm just throwing that. Holy God. (laughs) Well, it it doesn't help the matter now, does it? The damn Titans. Well, well, no more Bill Callahan. It's a pretty big loss there. It is a big loss. Don't uh, immediately people are going to go. You're making too big a deal about yeah because you're trying to make yourself feel better. You 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 cannot say it doesn't mean that next season's going to be a wash. But don't tell me it's not a big loss. It's a big loss. Oh listen, everybody and their brother. Oh we got when they had to line up. Okay, we got to bring in Michael Dunn. All right, we got to bring in Blake Hans. All right, we have to bring in Jaron Christian. Have you ever heard of Jaron Christian? No, I haven't heard of Jaron Christian. They got to bring that guy in. Well, Jack Conklin's out. We got to take the fourth round rookie and put him in. Oh, by the way, Jed Wills, you know how disappointed you are in him? Okay, well, now he's not going to have Bill Callahan to help him out, and he's going to be over there at left tackle. Yeah, everything's just hunky dory. I mean, don't, don't tell me all season long when you knew he was here how great he is and how important he is, and then. When he and it is within his right, but don't all of a sudden say that's ah, no big loss. It's a loss. Let's call it what it is. And I'm I, I got the paper out, I got the pen out. Off season record is going on, and the first move because I can't say is Ken Dorsey a win because Albert Breer yesterday kind of just went like eh, it was kind of a run in the mill thing. So I, I I don't know if I can start the season with a tie. Technically, the Browns have before, but I don't know if I can start the off season record with a tie. But I, if you want me to put it in there, that's fine. Is that fine, or can I call on that? Because when you lose Bill Callahan, I'm sorry, it's an off-season loss. Well, it, it it is interesting that when the season ended, I said, well, when you get blown out in a playoff game, normally there are dramatic changes. Um, and I'm like, but there aren't going to be dramatic changes here in Cleveland. Everybody's going to come back. Well, clearly I was not an insider when it came to that speculation because out the door immediately, offensive coordinator. Out the door immediately, running backs coach. Out the door immediately, tight ends coach. Wide receiver coach stays. Uh, offensive line coach out the door. This is pretty dramatic as far of as an offseason change when you have a quarterback coming back that was in the fold but out of the fold. There are a lot of moving parts to this Cleveland Browns offense. And I'll tell you, Kenny, one thing I didn't think I'd say a year ago, the one consistent, thank God, is Kevin Stefanski. Mm. I did not think I would say that a year ago. Thank God Kevin Stefanski is here because we needed somebody. We needed somebody to, to you know, move them through all this because this is not easy. This is not easy for, like, young coaching, coaching staffs, young coaches. This is not an easy thing to work through, but I do have some faith in Kevin that I didn't necessarily have a year ago. He earned that. There it is. It's written right there. First one up, it's a loss. I would say, well, with Kevin, you you mentioned that. However, you know, Albert Breer was on uh, Afternoon Drive yesterday and talking about you know these decisions that are made because you say, I, I feel better about Kevin, you feel better about Kevin, but now what's muddied the water here a bit is that Jason Lloyd yesterday or two days ago 
question whether or not it was Kevin Stefanski's decisions to make. Then you have Mary Kay, where she kind of didn't really, couldn't emphatically say it was his decision to make. And here's Albert Breer yesterday talking about if it matters, who makes these decisions here? I think it does matter, you know, because it can set the table for things going forward. And once the front office crosses that line, you know, it's really hard to undo that. And, yeah, I do think the front office had a lot of input in what happened here. And You know, look, like I think there's pressure on Kevin and, and the coaches to get more out of Deshaun Watson. I think the concern here would be the role that, that Alex played in that staff and how, in a lot of ways, like, because you know, Kevin is not as outgoing that, like, Alex was kind of, the glue guy on that staff, the guy who held everything together. And, you know, obviously I, I think the reaction from a lot of the, the guys on that staff to the way that certain guys were picked off after the year was kind of like, a, oh, you know, what do we do wrong? You know, obviously they were able to, to win 11 games with their fourth and fifth tackles, with four different quarterbacks, with no Nick Chubb, you know. And so I think that there was – genuine surprise on the part of some people on the staff that so many coaches lost their jobs and you know and that one guy in particular who was such an important piece of holding everything together was one of the guys on the way out and he's on his way to new england now to be their offensive coordinator for gerard mayo that was announced yesterday that ox van pelt is out so it, it makes you think like something stinks something stinks about who's making that decision there because remember you go back to the charles robinson conversation that he had at yahoo sports where there was definitely some people in that building who resented the man who lives 2,300 miles away. I used to say 3,500 miles away, but a man named Tom uh, emailed me and said, no, Kenny, it's about 2,300 miles away. Just in change, I think it is. So there you go. Guy who lives 2,300 miles away uh, might be making the decisions and pulling some strings, which would not make me feel any better because the guy who we all trust is Kevin Stefanski. And if we, don't, if we can't trust Kevin Stefanski anymore, then I think it makes us a little bit nervous because if he wouldn't have the power, then I think I can't help but feel a little bit nervous about the coaching staff and everything clicking into place next year. Yeah, I I, I think the one thing, you know, we're, we're talking about the minutia. And I mean, we are digging deep into, you know, the, the degree that losing coaches and, and bringing in new perspective, how that changes things. I think fans today might be, oh, well, but the minute they sign a wide receiver or they trade for a wide receiver this offseason, I think fans will be right back where they were. So I, I don't think it's all necessarily doom and gloom today. Like, let's let's see how this works. Let's see this infusion of new perspective that some people, you know, tend to champion with Ken Dorsey. Let's see how how this is. Um, this, this I'm going to give it a chance. I'm not, not just going to sit here just because, you know, Ken Dorsey didn't work out in Buffalo mm-hmm. um, and he's shown the door. I'm not going to, I'm not going to act like he is not a football mind and doesn't know what he's doing. That's true. I mean, guys, guys. Well, remember he was used as a scape. They said he was used as a scapegoat. I, and I said that the, the morning after it happened. And I said, well, interestingly enough, all the numbers are still really good for the Buffalo Bills offense, but they did shift their, their methodology. And Hey, just because Ken Dorsey operated one way with Josh Allen there, he is not the same player as Deshaun Watson. I know we like to think, oh, mobile quarterback, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but guys play totally different. Mobile quarterback for Patrick Mahomes means a lot different than Lamar Jackson mobile quarterback, which means a lot more a few years ago than Ryan Tannehill mobile quarterback. Like All these guys play the game and play the sport completely differently, and Deshaun Watson certainly plays the game differently than Josh Allen. So, Let's let's see. Let's give it a shot. Let's not, you know, off-season loss, whatever. I'm, there will be some off-season wins. Trust me. This is not. This well, is not the end the of the first road. First off-season thing that's happened. That's all. Yeah. Well, the coach, the the entire well, shakeup in general. We st- oh, 
I, you see, I can't, can I call those all off? Depending, like Bill Callahan's the one I know, like this is an off-season loss. If Ken Dorsey comes in here and works in Sepatico with, with what you have with him, with uh, Deshaun Watson, then I think that that's going to be fine. Like, I can't say it yet, but when you lose Bill Callahan, like, that's an off-season loss. At least he went to leave when coach with his son. He didn't leave because he was in a huff. Or he was really upset with the Browns front office. So maybe that makes I, it a little bit easier. I think you might have to ask the Browns fans. What? Should the, should the Browns have moved heaven and earth to keep Bill Callahan? Because that's what I was seeing last night. People were going nuts. And I just sat there and I'm like, man, that's just not how an NFL organization really operates mm-hmm. I got I think I got some people in here I'll, I'll explain a little bit during about last night you gonna bring this up again during about last night with, with some of the other moves and Alex Van Pelt all right I got something else to explain about last night because people's emotions change 216-474-0092 that and it's 640 Lima got a statewide concert uh, conversation started about your kids Ken Carmen Tone Master General live on the fan now the Ken Carmen show with Anthony Lima give their thoughts on what you might have missed about last night Oh, the Red Hot Cavaliers stay that way with a nice, nice 108-101 win over Memphis. The second game of a back-to-back. No Evan Mobley. Jared Allen gets injured. Uh, the Grizzlies obviously shorthanded. But Cavaliers to- with some big shots. Max Struess down the stretch. Big three to seal the deal. Push that lead to seven. Guys, uh, I don't mean to uh, keep bringing it back here. I'm only going to mention it once. I, I I know we're not going to do it today. I'm close to flipping the switch. I, I'm much closer well, we than I've Ken ever Car- been. We are on Ken Carmen's time when it comes no, no, to no, flipping no, no. the switch. You make, you make your own decision. You can make your own. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich, the step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Decision, that's fine. You want to make the decision, fine. You go right on ahead. 
I'm not standing in your way. It's both of our shows, even though you're going to be leaving me I mean, for two weeks. Two weeks ago, it seemed like Ken Ken was like, oh, hum, oh, oh my Cavaliers God. win, beat I, bad teams. I didn't even realize this. Is it now or never about flipping the switch? I said I said February 12th. He's still going to be out. Right? Who knows when I'll be back? Who knows? What the hell is that supposed to mean, Anthony? Uh, you know, we have all sorts of issues at the home front right now. Yesterday was the due date. We're still waiting. Clock is ticking. Could be Monday. Could be Tuesday. Could be Wednesday. Who knows? Who Just knows, Kenny? Typical lime of fashion. Unreliable when you really need him is, for a specific time. Is the baby delivery a two-key situation as well? Uh, you know what? <laughs> Already I, a chip off the old I, block. I, I, I'm ready. She's ready. Let's go. Let's go. You know anything about the mucus plug, Ken yep. Carmen? I know all about it, buddy. Yep. Know all about Just it. Just all sorts of debris and whatnot. I like to call it debris. <laughs> is that, is that what it, do you save it? Do you put it in the scrapbook? No. You we go fishing in the turlet? We're not like that. No. No. And a whole drawer for a, <laughs> full of mucus. Well, remember, the first time we didn't have the all natural labor. So gross, you could barely get it out. What? We didn't have was, any of that. That was bad. We had the, uh, Moving on, we had the old surgery to start out last year. So this is all new to us. We don't know what's going to happen. I've had enough of this. What we do know is your Cavaliers now within striking distance of the two seed. That's right. With Milwaukee going backwards. Philly now five seed going backwards in the Joel Embiid news yesterday. Ah. Now it's getting very, very interesting with the Cavs and the Knicks surging. The two hottest teams in basketball. Neither team will relent. No matter who's in the lineup, Knicks have had their injuries now. I mean, it's it's incredible what these two teams are doing. And Boston lost, oddly enough, with no uh, LeBron or Anthony Davis. They lost to the Lakers last night. Philly did win. Sweet. So it's uh, the Eastern Conference supremacy. The battle for supremacy continues. David Pingalore sending tweets again. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, in a little bit because he has had some yeah, dynamite drop-ins when it comes to LeBron tweets over the years. Yeah. Says, uh, He's also had a about a hundred other tweets that have been woefully wrong, but that's not what the internet cared about Let's last not night. Focus on those right now. Ping. Remember when he worked here in Cleveland? Do you remember? Nope. It was before the show's time. It was before the station's time. Yeah, I don't remember. All right. Well, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Bill Ryder, however, a very credible journalist and NBA commentator. I uh, had this to say about how dangerous your wine and gold are. I think they're potentially dangerous, and I think the way that they played without Mobley and without Garland in particular and what it does look like and now will look like with one and then both of those guys back is really interesting. I think they're deep. They obviously played great defense. I think they're going to be better offensively than they've been. So, yes, I do. There are people who want to believe, but I think there's some hesitation. I think some of it surrounds Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs. I like Bill Ryder. Well, which is interesting. Donovan Mitchell has one of the great playoff runs like in recent NBA history. It was in the bubble. He also had two. You got to go back in the bubble then. He had two clunkers, you know, two years ago with Dallas or against Dallas, I should say, when uh, Jalen Brunson, you know, it was it was an incredible series because Luka went down and Brunson stepped up in a big way. Remember, that was his free agency year um, or ends up with the Knicks. And then the following year, Donovan Mitchell loses to Jalen Brunson in the Knicks. So I, I don't I, I don't think that there's some huge problem with Donovan Mitchell in the postseason all of a sudden. I mean, this this obviously the, the microscope is on these guys. That's the narrative we draw. We we like to if uh, no, because that sounds accusatory towards Bill. But no, that's that's something that his he is known as now, and we have to he has to correct that. Now I don't know how he corrects that because if he plays hero ball. 
Donovan Mitchell and just takes over, I don't know if they win. Like, there has to be a shared responsibility, does there not, Tone? Well, this is what happens when you when you lose a series. I told you, Kenny, there's just there's consequences of losing series that way and how we talk about you in the NBA and even now the NFL. I mean, my God, Lamar Jackson all offseason. He had an MVP all offseason. It's going to be about what he didn't do in the playoff game against Patrick Mahomes, just like Josh Allen all offseason. It's going to be, well, you can't get past Patrick Mahomes. Like, this is this is how this works when it comes to the playoffs now in sports. Clayton Kershaw, for years. Well, what did you do in the postseason? We don't care what you did over 162. Mm-hmm. Been the dominant pitcher of our time for, for the better part of a decade. And yet people, like, well, Clayton Kershaw, playoffs. Like, it's a small sample size. David Price and, up until then. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of guys. Even though I don't think, it's weird. It, it It's focused on us. We in the media make a big deal about that. I don't know if it ever really affects the bottom line for players. I just think other teams feel that they're going to fix these guys. Like, ah, he's not going to be bad for us. We need him. Like, did it ever hurt Clayton Kershaw at all? No. Not not his wallet. It certainly didn't hurt David Price. He made a hell of a lot of money. Like, it it doesn't hurt as much as we make it out to be like, ah, I can't can't sign that guy. Nope, teams are going to sign him. Baseball, basketball, football, even though it's not as much in football. But those other two sports, when it comes to postseason performance – a lot of folks, I think, overrate where guy standing is. It's a big thing legacy-wise, the postseason, clearly. It's the whole reason we talk about Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame. But in terms of really whether you want him, whether you whether you need him, like, I don't think that that changes anything. Yeah, and in, in the East, all these teams are better. So today, we're looking at the Cavs saying, all right, now we can confidently say that the Cavs are better than they were last year. They're deeper than they were last year. Uh, we'll see how Garland and and Mitchell play together. I'm True. not I'm not worried about Mobley being infused um, with Jared Allen. I'm, I, I think that tends to be a good thing. I'm not not really concerned about any of that. The issue is that the Knicks are better than they were last year. Philly now just had this significant meniscus news with Joel Embiid, so he's going to be reevaluating all that. He's going to miss time. I mean, this could be a month. I don't know what it's going to be, but. You know, at the same time, Tyrese Maxey scores fifty-one last night. He's just gonna, he's just gonna be a, become a superstar. Like you'll see him fill that void. But they're gonna be behind the Cavs in the standings. Now I'm wondering who is gonna be the potential first-round draw for the Cavs. And it's way too early to really have any idea who that's gonna be. Could be the Heat. Could be the Pacers. I mean, plant Ty- your flag. Right Tyrese now. Halliburton might be the best player in a Cavs. Pacers series. Some would say. Some would say he's. They, they think he's better than Donovan Mitchell. Stick that flag in the ground right now. Who would you? Who would you most want to see right now as a February second Groundhog Day to see in the postseason? Oh, I'd love, who do you want to see? First oh, I'd love round? to see Orlando. Orlando would be the team, but I, I don't know by that time. I don't know where Orlando's going to be. I'd love to see the Bulls. I don't know where the Bulls are going to be by that time. I'd like to avoid, if at all possible, Philly, Miami, and Indiana. I wouldn't. I'll tell you, pe- oh, the three potential. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people are people are you know poo pooing Philadelphia now because of Embiid and his playoff issues. I would not want to see that guy in a first round series. I mean, he was the best player in the NBA this year well, up until his injury. I think you're I exactly not, right. I think he could fall out Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Yep. By the and well, half. he's done that. He's done that before. Yeah, no thanks. And I don't want to see that. And the, that will be well rested because <laughs> he's going to miss all this time. Remember, before we start tough talking here, when it comes to the 76ers, I'm glad you brought that up. They're talking about the finals with Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. They are not talking about the first round with Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. So if you drew them in the first round, that would be a uh, 
That would be a concern. All right, quickly. Uh, Jim Harbaugh had his introductory press conference. I guess he didn't stay at Michigan after all, despite what Keith Britton was telling us for, you What's know, What's it feel like to get it wrong, years? Keith? Yeah. What's it feel like to get it wrong? That's embarrassing. Uh, hope you enjoyed your title. Uh, Harbaugh had this to say about whether he belongs in Los Angeles. Right now, I got? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I aspire to be, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I want to I want to drive my RV out and, and go to a trailer park, you know, like down by the water or uh, by Disneyland. There'll be two that I've researched that are close to the facility. And I want to Jim Rockford it for the, uh, for the for the next couple months until we move to the new facility. Okay, Kenny, that uh, that seems to be the research. Harbaugh. That seems to be the Harbaugh I remember. I mean, that's – I know we've been so locked into the cheating scandal over the last however many months here, but that's fun-loving Harbaugh. Never know what he's going to say. So odd. Kind of a – I like to be in the kind woods. Kind of flaky. But I don't like to camp. Like, I'm not an RV guy. Well, we've talked about glamping. You said not necessarily glamping. That's the only type of camping I think I would do. But you're carrying too much stuff out there. Well, Harbaugh's going to the Disney Resort to camp. Well, maybe I'll be different at, at my next stage. He's always Let's been see. an oddball. He's going to be a fun story, though. I mean, he, I, I do love these kind of stories. We have so many buttoned-up coaches in the NFL. He's not going to be one of them. He, he is going to tell you what he thinks. He's going to tell you what he thinks of other coaches, other teams. I kind of love that. So he's going to be like, like we've always needed. He's Sean Payton. Yeah, Sean Payton got, does all that. We've got, you know, Stefanski is very, you're not getting an answer, and then we've always needed a coordinator on Thursday that's zany and comes in with the zingers. You're getting that from Harbaugh. You'll get it from Harbaugh from moment one. He is a disruptor. That's how he's always been. I enjoy that. Can't I, wait I for mean, Schwartz to go after him. Yeah, uh, th- those two. Those two, the last time on an NFL football field, they, like, ships cross into the night. It was one of the oh, most yeah. awkward oh, no. post-game non-handshake situations ever. Oliver and Hazard Perry on Lake Erie with these two, buddy boy. Yeah, Google that. Look that up, kids. Young listeners, if you don't know about that situation when Harbaugh was with the 49ers, Schwartz was with Detroit. Speaking of young listeners, for all you parents of young listeners, Lima had a statewide conversation started about your kids. It's coming up next on The Fan. Peter and Company Jewelers in Avon Lake. Lake, Lake. Tell everybody about their kids, Lima. The warning that you have to give them. High school-aged children. I have a warning? Well... I don't know if it's a war. I don't know. You you brought this up. You say it. Why do I got to start everything? Go. Oh, it's about the high school thing? Yeah, Anthony. Well, the way you let into it, I'm like, is there something else? Because that well, made no sense to me. I don't know how to do it, Anthony, but you'll sit there and stare <laughs> at me until what I open I up the mic warn- and I say something. What so sometimes have- you can just take off. What do I have it. to warn the kids about? There's this. two shows, or there's two <laughs> people here on this show. Oh, you know what? Yo, you talk. I'm just turning my okay. mic off. You go. I'm just making sure we're on the same page here. Uh, so yesterday, somebody tweeted me video from a girls basketball game and they're like yo you got to comment on this so i watched the video and it was one team two local teams on the west side st joe's academy and magnificat and one team uh mags mags is a perennial power st joe's been good too st joe's had a very very good robust program but mags mags is a team that you know expects to every year compete to get down to the final four um I believe they have state championships. They're a very good program. And they don't, I think they have the score bug, but it's kind of obscured here on the screen. So I can't tell, but somebody says Mags is up like 15 or 20 points. It's in the fourth quarter and they speed up the video. 
And what's happening here is the team that's down, St. Joseph Academy, is in a zone. And, you know, the, the top of the zone is kind of extended, but they're not really matching up with anybody. It's not like a quintessential matchup zone. They're just kind of sitting back. All right, so they're sitting back in the zone. And because of that, Mags has the lead. They're like, well, we'll just hold the ball. It's the fourth quarter. We have the lead. We're going to hold the ball. Looks like 49-34 is the score in the fourth quarter, 7.30 left. That's the final score because no action transpires the rest of the fourth quarter. The losing team just holds the ball. The winning team is like, whatever. And that's the quarter. That's the end. Mags isn't going to do anything to have the lead. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're up 15. So they held the ball for the final seven minutes and change. And the defense doesn't come out, never defend. They don't switch into a uh, one out. They don't switch into a man defense. They don't switch into a matchup zone where you have some man principles. They don't do any of that. So that's it. They played three quarters of basketball. What did you hear the fans or the fans booing? Or are they on halves now? Parents booing. They're, they they switched up in college. Oh, regardless, they fought yeah. quarters still. Final okay. seven and a half minutes of the game or whatever it is. Yeah. Final seven minutes. I I bet. Well, wait a minute. Aren't they only? No, they're eight minute quarters, right? Yeah. Okay, so. So basically, they start the quarter, they get the rebound, and it seems that they just stand there with the ball. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's... Yeah, Mags has no reason to really do anything unless they just want to want to play normal basketball. So they're like, ah, we'll take the win. So I don't know the backstory between these coaches. Uh, that, that Typically, when you see this, at this time of the year, these are teams that play each other. They know each other inside and out. I don't know what the backstory is. I, I was told that this caused enough of a ruckus that, you know, a coach was actually placed on leave. An email was sent to the students. I don't want anybody to get fired over it, but no, I, I no. definitely have a problem with this. Wouldn't everybody else? Shouldn't people have a problem with this? I mean, this isn't basketball. This is just standing around on a basketball court. That's all that is. I, I don't think that this is something that you can't. This this is not for the betterment of the children. No, nobody, nobody went to a basketball game no family members went no friends went to a basketball game you can see plenty of fans it's a smaller gym um but there's there's academy yeah there's there's plenty of fans there now you can't hear the sound but I've been in a gym when this happens when a team holds the ball this does happen from time to time um typically it's a less talented team that knows they want to shrink the game less possessions They'll do this maybe earlier in the game if they're within striking distance. That's strategy. I understand that. In this case, it's the fourth quarter. Fans start to get a little restless and go, come on. We didn't come here. We didn't go out of our way to come to a game to only have three quarters of basketball. Like, let's play basketball. And there's no shot clock. There is is no shot clock in boys or girls basketball in the state of Ohio. My issue is Unlike some other more progressive states. My issue is just putting shot clocks. Which immediately when we did this conversation, I remember it was like three years ago, people went crazy because we need volunteers to run the shot clock and then you need the money to install the shot clock. And it had me Googling how much from the fair play people, how much a shot clock actually cost. I mean, it was Dactronics. I was on the phone with Dactronics a few years ago about this. They're the best. Well, it's them in fair play and that's it. Like, Tone, that's how serious it got. And I go... This is BS. You guys can't afford these things. This is a lie. Why don't you guys want to put in shot clocks? I don't understand this at all. Well, Kenny, to put in all these shot clocks. And then David Briggs has the article that came out where, what, last year, how much does the OHSAA have sitting in the kitty now? Like $17 million? I might yeah, be able to get you a few shot clocks out there. It, it, listen, guys, it, it, it's 2024. 
I'm not as passionate about it as Tone, but it's just time for shot clocks because shot clocks would, would end this. I am not going after, I think both coaches are in the wrong. I'm not going after one or the other. I'm going after both. It's ridiculous to stand there with the basketball, and it's ridiculous to not try to play defense. As far as my understanding, and you've told me this as well as several other coaches, it is incumbent upon the defense to go out there and, play, and get the ball. So I can I cannot just go after one coach or the other. I have to go after both. And, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree. At but some I don't point, want either one fired. I want them to learn point, their lesson like, and get moving with this. Mags was not going to lose the game by pressing the action and also, who cares by how much you lose the game if you're St. Joseph Academy? You're there to compete. Your girls only have so many games in a high school career on varsity. I uh, I think you just got to play basketball at right. some point. At no point was you know the final score you know gonna ch- gonna change the outcome. Let's go to the phones. Paul and Kirtland, you're first up on the fan. Yellow. Hey guys, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I wanted to call in on the high school girls game. I coach. Uh, local high school girls basketball, and I've seen this happen. I mean, I'm talking about 15, 20 years. And one thing that bugs me is as you get further on, you know, into district and sectional, I'm sorry, district and regional and state play, you see this happen more often. Obviously, the stakes are larger, and it's win or go home. Um, I would love to see a shot clock, but I think I even have an easier solution. I know this happens in other sports. You know, in varsity basketball, the trail official is responsible for the 10-second call, right? Are you familiar with that? Yes. Okay. When that ball crosses half court, if that, that official sees the clock and one minute, like if, if in one minute no shot goes up, then that's something that can be done without a shot clock, without an old man sitting at the table pressing a button every time the ball hit the rim, like – it, it would be the trail officials' responsibility. And we have excellent officiating here in Northeast Ohio. I want to make sure all the officials You don't have to that. suck up in case they get an assignment. So, Come on. <laughs> I, I think that would be an easy thing to add. You know, one, one minute all is right. probably longer than most shot clocks would be, but it's for these kind of situations. All right, Paul, and full disclosure, I, I know Paul. You does know a, Paul. Does a great job at East Lake North. So. Coach, well, I went, I in, two, wait, in 2023, <laughs> nine states added a shot clock. How are they finding the money? And we're hearing about Ohio not being able to nine find the money when we just talked about a surplus. How much money are we really talking? Are you hearing from administrators that it really is too the, – the, the schools are so strapped that they couldn't do it? He put his name out there and everything. I, I'm not hearing that, but the people that make those choices, I mean, if there are nine schools, then, then I think they would have some – phone calls to make or some emails to make and find out how, how it's being done. I think of you, if you compare all the sports that go on to the next level, college and professional, the, the biggest difference between the games, between the high school and the college level, is in basketball, and it's the fact that there's no shot clock. You can't find that much of a difference in any other sport when you change from high school to college. This year, Connecticut, Idaho, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oregon have added – the shot clock. 27 state associations utilize the shot clock in some capacity. Wow. Ohio so, is yeah, not one national, of them. National Federation has approved uh, states to make that, that decision, you know, state-by-state state type of decision. But, I, you know, I'd like to see the more times it happens, I'd like to see, you know, Ohio stop making excuses about it and start finding, finding ways to, to make something happen. All right, Paul, thank you very much for the call. I don't know if he wanted his business out there, but either way, well, fine. 216-474-0092. Are you passionate about the shot clock tone? 
I just, I just, it's, it's unbelievable in the year 2024. Are you we against, don't have a shot are clock. You, if, are you an administrator against the shot clock? I'll reach out to all you across the aisle. And Memphis is 18 and 30. But I thought it was one of the best win of the season for your Cleveland Cavaliers. And I'll tell you why. Coming up on The Fan. Cavs had their most impressive win of the season. Well, one of them yesterday. I don't want to go crazy. I'm going to get to that here in a second. Because to me, I'm as excited as I've been for Cavalier basketball all year because of that win last night. I'm going to tell you why here in a moment. That might have been my favorite Max Truce game of the year outside of the opener. Well, I'm going to get to that as well. You always find a way to mix in Max Truce before I even say anything Hell about yeah. it, don't you? You always find a way. He's great. However, a lot of opinions coming in about the shot clock conversation where there was a situation where a girls' high school team, Mags, Magnificat, held the ball for the last seven minutes of the basketball game. St. Joe's let him stand there, and then everybody just walked off the floor as a 15-point win. <laughs> like, what was the point of this? And my whole impetus of it was I'm I'm blaming both coaches for having that and allowing that to happen because it is on the defense to come out and play defense. It's, it's the name of the game to go out and try to score. The game's called basketball, not keep away. And my answer to it is, okay, let's, it, it's time. We've talked about this a couple of years ago. Uh, people got really agitated over it. It was really a lot of school administrators. I go, guys, I, I looked it up, the Dactronics, everything. We, it's time for shot clocks here. It, it, there's plenty of states that have them. It's time for us to be one of them. We take sports seriously now here. Now more states time. have them than don't. Yeah. And that, that's not to absolve anybody responsibility. I know that the, the administrators of each school are pretty upset with it. I don't think anybody should be fired over it. I don't want to. It's hard enough to find good coaches. I don't know anything about these two people who are the yeah. coaches. I don't want to get paid teams. a so, lot of money. You're, yeah. you're, you're getting paid a supplement and you're there putting in a lot of hours. So I, I think about this. I'm not going to, if they did something terrible to the kids for a long period of time, I don't know. Them. I don't know them as people. I don't know them as coaches. I know it's hard enough to find coaches and I know it's hard enough to keep coaches. So for me to sit here on the radio and say, they need to be fired. I, I think it's pretty irresponsible of me. If there needs to be a warning on something like this, fine. Because again, it's, it's still a school and, we're supposed to be here about the enrichment of the children, and part of the enrichment of the children is playing the game and playing the game the right way. Standing with the basketball is not playing the game the right way. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. I ain't the basketball guy in the room. Tone is, but Tone is nodding yeah, his head just, to everything I say. I think that's what's, uh, that's what's unfortunate about that. I think all the fans and all the parents and all the kids that were on the bench, I think they were all probably thinking to themselves, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. But yet two coaches allowed it to continue for an entire quarter. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. I'll take one more, and we'll get going with the Cavs. Brittany and Westlake. Hello. Hey, how are you guys? We're doing wonderful. Go right on ahead. Um, so I'm a coach in the area. I'm kind of for the shot clock. We're doing it in AAU all around the, you know, all around the country when we travel. So the so some of the girls are already getting, you know, into that and understanding it. And when they go to the college level, they have to, you know, understand it as well. So we're for it. Um, but at the same time, it's going to cost schools lots of money, and, you know, schools don't like to 
shovel out that kind of money sometimes. Um, but knowing, you know, the situation that happened at Mags, um, the, I, I, the Joe's coach did not want to lose by more than 15 is what was relayed. So that's why she didn't um, go out and play defense. But I understand why you're saying, like, the Mags coach should have just went. Um, at the end of the day, it's a rivalry, and I guess, you know, they didn't want to, um, you know, one didn't want to, you know, fall, go before the other, throw in the white flag. Yeah, where, thing, where I, guess. I guess I struggle here. Like, if it's a tournament game, I understand the stakes are higher, and yeah. we appreciate the call, Brittany. Brittany thank, thank you. you very much the for the call. The stakes are higher, like uh, like earlier Coach Force said. I guess where my issue is, you know, Mag's clearly the better team in this situation. That game was never in doubt. And if you can pour it on a little bit, and then you get your backups in, like, then everybody gets more playing time. Instead, everybody gets shortchanged. Everybody only gets three quarters of action, and it's just not, I think, what high school sports is all about in a regular season game. So I thought that was the unfortunate part, and I wish I wish cooler heads could have prevailed. I don't know if there was something going on between the coaches and a rivalry, like she said. Those, those teams certainly compete against each other, and sometimes – you get lost in the moment. I mean, this happens at a professional level. We see coaches that dig in so much where they're calling timeouts in the last two minutes of an NFL regular season game. And it's like, why are we doing this? Who is the team? There was a uh, there was a big blowout this year, I think, where uh, the, the Dolphins were involved. And a team, did somebody run it up against the Dolphins towards the end of the year? Uh, the Dolphins ran it up against the Broncos. Was yeah, was that early. was that the one? But season. I also thought there and was then the Dolphins. I think week, week seventeen. Two, so. I'd have to look that up. They lost oh, by a big Lamar, number to Lamar. And, yeah, and I think oh. Harbaugh kept in his starters. I think they and gave like, up fifty. And I know that's professional sports. That also seems kind of silly. I think in high school sports, I think we can all kind of use some common sense. What we saw in that video was not common sense. No, no. And uh, I thought your buddy Paul had the best idea. Uh, who is the high school basketball coach who goes, why can't the trailing official keep some sort of a time on, on one minute? And I thought that that was probably well, the best no, idea. Well, there's They're no stalling provision. Clock, yeah, lacrosse. Lacrosse in in um, in college. I used to cover big time D1 lacrosse. I, we'll do a podcast on it one day, Kenny. Well, I can't the wait The biggest for that programs one. in the country. Uh, it's the Syracuses of the world. The Hobarts. The oh, Johns my God. Hopkins the Hobarts. Is, is. The Johns Hopkins. Yes. Um, they enacted... A, a stall violation because the bat the teams that were not as talented would stall and people are like well what is this isn't this isn't the sport yeah there's strategy involved but you gotta you gotta be at some point you've gotta yeah push the pace and, a little but bit but that's a judgment call of the it referee is, yeah. I was as impressed with the Cavs as I've been all year last night I took yesterday as a scheduled loss I didn't talk too terribly much about a preview of the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies are not the same type of team that we were getting ready for last year at this time when Donovan Mitchell took one in the fellas from Dylan Brooks, oh, and it yeah. became like a mini rivalry there with a Western Conference team, which was really exciting. Uh, I, I didn't gird our loins up for this game the way that a lot of people had done in the past for the Memphis Grizzlies. They're a, a faltering team. I think they're now 5-17 and 17 at home. They came into it, but I'm as impressed as I've been because I thought, man, this is a nice time for them to take a rest on the back-to-back. You were at home. You're on the road. You change time zones. You're not going to have Evan Mobley in this basketball game. And it just – with with Donovan Mitchell and putting up 45 against Detroit, where they had, they had rolled out the basketballs and basically played, as you said, and I think you were right, I want to give you credit, an AAU basketball game. For them to go out there on the road, get a win – 
try to play well, try to try to rectify for the, I don't want to call it garbage, but the non-caring of the night before, I thought said a lot to the type of basketball team and leadership that they had. I was impressed with J.B. Bickerstaff last night. I was impressed with the organization last night. I was impressed with the players last night. There was a lot of things that I watched in that game yesterday, and I was really, really proud of to say, okay, this is a team that actually, let's see if we got some guts here. You know, the lights were too bright, quote-unquote, at the end of the season. Not Let's see if you can gut it through, because I see the East, and I'm thinking, this is a team, I think, that knows that they have an opportunity here to maybe climb up the ladder if the 76ers falter and the Knicks eventually cool off. Of course, I don't know when the hell that's going to happen. Jalen Brunson was weeping on the floor last night after he was announced an All-Star. But maybe I'm overblowing it. I thought it was a great win. It was one of the most impressive wins I've seen him have all year. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you um, that I, I was, I've been blown away by this team and what they've done. They have rescued this entire Cavs season, which by any other, by, if this were any other team and your two best players, two of your best players go down with an injury, if it were any other team, uh, we'd be talking about playing tournament. We'd be talking about, you know, <laughs> we'd be talking about the offseason mm-hmm. and Donovan Mitchell, trading Donovan Mitchell by the trade deadline. So they've rescued this entire season. It was a conversation of whether to tank. People were calling in. This is awesome. They have turned around an entire season, much in the same way. There's so many parallels to when Deshaun Watson, when that injury uh, came out and we knew he was having surgery, that was supposed to be the end of the season. They rescued. The Browns rescued an entire football season. That's what the Cavs have done. And you said scheduled loss. Not on JB's watch. And not, not on this team does not have that thought of a scheduled loss just doesn't exist. It exists in almost every other locker room in the NBA. It does not exist with the Cavaliers. That is so exciting. We talk about NBA teams that don't try in the regular season. This one does. I, I love how that somehow gets held against them when you lose in the playoffs. Oh, well, you were the feel-good Cavs all year. How did that How did that go down for you? Oh, yeah. first-round loss. No. Do people pay hard money to go see this Cavs team? And they're rewarded every time. They are rewarded when you stay up for an 8 o'clock tip or whatever it was last night. It was supposed to be originally like a 10 o'clock yeah, tip. Yeah, it was supposed to be 10. To um, actually, I was late last night getting the game because somebody told me it was an 8 o'clock tip, and it wasn't. What was it? it the game was already – the first quarter was over anytime mm-hmm. I turned it on. Anyway, you are rewarded every time you watch the Cavaliers, it feels like, no matter who's in the lineup. You could tell me there are last-minute scratches. Doesn't matter. They're going to compete. They are now as deep as they've been, and they fight every single night, and they hustle so much more. You could just see – Memphis was looking around going, we were supposed to be a little bit of a plucky team when once John Morant went down and we suffered all our injuries. They had a bunch of guys out last night that weren't available. Um, the Cavs like, no, we are the team that chases offensive rebounds. Max Struess running around to preserve possessions down the stretch. Like, that's a Karis LeVert was running around. Like, that's not even something he was known for. Is it too Earlier early? in his career. Like, I love... I love the fact they play that way, and I really feel like you are rewarded every time you tune in and watch the Cavs. Is it, is it too early to consider them contenders, or what does a contender mean to you? Like, for this team, like, is Boston just an unattainable type of, of opponent I think I'd, for them? I, I kind of want to ask the people this, too. Yeah, I mean, they, they'd probably lose to Boston. I don't kind of, I want to. But I think they would make Boston work, man. I think they would they would really drive them nuts with with the way they play and yeah the playoffs are different Boston's tested we are not um if this team finds a way to get to the Eastern Conference Finals that is a great well year. Th- this is what I'm saying is if they were to in the Eastern Conference Finals and say they lost to the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals 
I would consider that a successful season. But as soon as I say that, I guarantee there's going to be some people going, wait, you gave up three first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell just to get to the ECF? So there would be some pushback on something like that. But I would have to have won a couple of series in the playoffs there, and I'd be proven that, hey, this is a team that could possibly build Kenny, from what we already have. Because as if, of right if now— If that's I, the threshold, then then no seasons are going to be fun. I it's, understand that. Then, then the regular season is going to be nothing, and we'll just we'll just join them along the playoff I, run. I agree then with what's you. the point? Then you're not invested. But I'm looking at this team. I mean, we're six days away from the trade deadline, and maybe there's a move that they can make, but I don't want to shake any of the big trees out there. Like the four guys that we usually talk about— Allen, Mobley, Mitchell, Garland. I don't want to move on from any of these guys for any sort of a crazy move right now. I like this group. And, it, yeah, it's an 18-win Memphis team that you beat. And a lot of people would say, yeah, you should have beat them. But I, I think that when you look at the back-to-back, I, I think this word is overused, but I'm going to use it. Culture that goes on in the NBA where it seems that 29 out of 30 teams just look at a back-to-back as, yeah, yeah, you, you, if you won last night, this night's kind of an easy night. And I, they didn't take it that way. And I'm very, very proud of them right now because I thought they could have went down there and I was just ready to kind of turn off the TV and get ready for today's show and spend four hours doing God knows what, mentioning LeBron, and we'll do that. But I, I looked at the way they played last night and I was really encouraged by them and what they have right now, even though that we're getting closer to the trade deadline. 216-474-0092. What is a contending Cavs team to you in 2024? I'll get to you guys on this and coming up. Andrew Barry says, not so fast on a major offseason talking point. And also, um, guys, we got to have a little bit of class about this, don't we? Ken Carmen, Anthony Lama, take us with you to work on the free Odyssey app. The dangerous one, 8 o'clock. We'll find out how big of a loss it is with Bill Callahan leaving. Have to have a little bit of class about this, guys. That coming up here in a bit. Also fixed my life. Lama spent all day yesterday in the ER. He called, then abruptly hung up on me. It was basically like, Jerry Frank Costanza, Mr. Steinbrenner is here, George is dead, call me back. <laughs> and he, basically, that was it. I was like, all right, bye, we'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And, and how important, and I want you to think about this before you get into it, how important when doing an x-ray is it to get the correct foot? <laughs> Mull that, that over the, for a little bit. Is that what the movie My Left Foot's about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God in heaven. All right. How big was the Cavs' win last night? Obviously, uh, I, I thought it was one of the biggest. And I don't mean to be so general about it. What is a successful run for this team? Yeah, we, we're getting close to the trade deadline. I'm not hearing anybody say we got to trade this guy or that guy nope. or anybody. No. Nope. Now, nah, I, I got something to bring up at 820 again because uh, David Pingle or Tingus Pingus was out there making his uh, tweets yesterday about some things going on in Los Angeles. And I'll bring that up again at 820. Fine. But I, I enjoyed yesterday's win so much. I am so excited. I'm not talking about switches, none of that. I just need to talk to you person to person, guys. I loved it. I've been given so much heart by this team here over this stretch, and I think they're in a good spot. Well, that's I think I mean, a successful there, season for Kenny, this team at the Eastern Conference Finals. I, but is, I, I don't want to yell at them in case they go down like that. Go ahead. Is there something to be said? I want to know how much fans even care in 2024 because it's so much rings, rings, compete. You made a big trade. Now it's about going to the championship. We've all said those things at times. We've said them about the Browns when they got Watson, and we said them about this changes the trajectory and the timeline for the Cavs. I've said all those things, right? But yet I find myself enjoying regular season basketball which that's not what it's supposed to be about for this team. This team is supposed to be about what you do in the playoffs. 
And we all saw what happened last year. They were amazing in the regular season. They got to 50-plus wins. And then there was embarrassment. There was humiliation come postseason. But yet I'm here again in the regular season you know enjoying is? regular season wins. That, that, is there anything wrong with that? That's why I feel better about this. This is going to sound downright Phelpsian about it because, you know, he's always the build and da-da-da-da-da. And we always used to go, come on, Jeff, cut the crap. Let's go. It's time to win. I think at the beginning of this year, there was a bit of a playoff hangover. I think we were cynical. I, I think that we were still a little bit bruised over what happened against the New York Knicks. Because not just that they won, that they beat you up and they talked trash about you as it happened. I think all our egos were bruised. I haven't seen a, a Cleveland team play like that and get dismantled like that in quite some time. I mean, it was it was really embarrassing how that went down with the with the Knicks. And so this year, I I can't help it. I started the season in a cynical place. And to see them gut this out, and Jared Allen to answer the bell for his own his own statements and play so tough throughout this year has been fantastic. And then this game last night, again, it could have been a scheduled loss, and I thought they came out and they played tough. It wasn't perfect, and they were playing an 18-win basketball team that as of right now is certainly not in the postseason in the Western Conference. But I, I came away very encouraged with this team, and it was there was a lot of clarity after this win last night. 216-474-0092. Dave in Macedonia, you're first up on the fan. Good morning, boys. Morning, Dave. I asked the court for a, a little latitude this morning. Well, let's get oh, going. Go you don't need to ask me anything. Just go into it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm just, I, again, I'm concerned. I, I think Mobley is a problem. As great physically, defensively as he can become, but my eyes don't lie to me. I see him running around. He misses switches. What did, what did you see last night? Well, I did nothing last night. Okay, I'm play, testing but... you on that. I was glad you mentioned it because I don't know why the hell you're calling into bitch about Evan Mobley on a night he didn't even play. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm looking long term. The, the, the two most important players on this squad uh, is uh, Mitchell and Allen. They're they're clearly as long as they stay healthy, I think we can beat anybody in the East because we're deep. We're deep. Wait a minute. I just I'm concerned that you're going to pay. I know you're you're going to pay Mobley and you're going to pay Mobley. Just yeah, I know. Uh, You know they're both. (laughs) All right, Dave. Can we keep this conversation to 2024? Dave, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Can you make a 15 footer? Can he make a 15 15 footer? footer? Well. Yeah. Can you start all over again with a different phone call? Because I can't do this. Your latitude has been ripped away. Ripped away, Dave. Ripped away, if it pleases the court. I can't have it. I don't know what the hell that was about. We're calling in about Evan Mobley the day after a game he didn't even play in. What the hell are we doing? 216-474-0092. Are are people still in a cynical mode with this team? Is that what it is? Because I'm feeling as good. I had people yelling at me. Anybody who thinks like that. Anybody that. And then he said they could beat anybody in the East. I'm like, that's what. Well, let's. You buried the lead there. So are they? Why are we focusing on that? So are they afraid to believe? Like, is Dave afraid to believe? I I do think there is some element of truth to that because fans last year talked a lot. They puffed their chest out, and then that when the team lets you down which that happened to the Browns down the stretch. Down the stretch for the Browns, fans started talking. Why? I, I started talking, why not? Why can't this team make a deep run? Why can't they? Like, did, we had seen this team put it together offensively, defensively, and you saw all the other teams kind of look weak at times, except for Baltimore, but we had beaten Baltimore. So 
I allowed myself to start to get crazy and have some grandiose thoughts. And then you get blown out in a playoff game and it is a letdown and you feel crappy about it because you start to get cocky. Maybe fans are worried about that too this year with the Browns, with the Cavs, but who cares? Like, enjoy the fact that they are now getting love. I, They're now getting talked about as first, a dangerous team, a threat. We played the Bill Ryder audio from earlier today like, guys, about a, how much of a threat they truly are. You're allowed to not think that they're still that great. That's fine. But when I'm hearing the hemming and hawing on the phones about, well, this, that, and the other, but they can still compete in the, in the Eastern Conference, well, you're either in or you're out right now. That's what it is. If you're afraid of your own feelings, then you got to work that out for yourself. If you still don't think that they're a competitive team for a multitude of reasons, fine. I'll, I'll listen to you. I'll disagree in a lot of cases, I'm sure, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll listen to you. But if we're just going to hem and haul over this, we're, we're just afraid to buy in again then. Rick and Hudson, you're next up on the fan. Hello. Rick. Yeah, why haven't you guys addressed the Dustin Fox about the team and, you know, Keith Brennan's running? Okay, thank you very much. Uh, let's get to Josh and Berea. Josh, you're next up on the fan. Thank you guys so much. Someone needed to say it. There's a lot of just – I guess they just have PTSD from the playoffs. I don't know what it is. Or they got they can't take their anger out on the Browns anymore. They just got to take it out on the Cavs. But I agree with you guys 100%. This team is a plucky squad. I mean, there haven't been impressive wins all year. I mean, I know it was a little rocky at start, but even if you go back early in the season when we didn't have Donovan with the groin injury and we went there to Philly and, and Denver came to our house, the defending champs, and we kicked their butt. I mean, like, we just keep answering the bell and – I feel like we've been spoiled with the whole LeBron era. So we just like, whenever we get talent or superstar, we immediately think like, oh, it's championship now because look at the assets you gave us. Well, that's a natural thing. Josh, that's a natural thing. Like we did that with, like I accuse people doing that with Jed Wills and Joe Thomas, but Jed Wills just probably isn't that great. I mean, he's four years into this thing, right? Did we not do, uh, Jerome Ford is a a nice enough back, but he's not Nick Chubb, right? So we're, we're going to do the same thing with anybody past LeBron because once we've yeah. seen LeBron, once you've seen the best, it's it's hard to accept anything else. True, but with the NBA, you know how NBA players are. Like In terms of like a small market team, you're never going to attract the big free agent guys. Like the Browns in the NFL, hey, as long as they throw money at people, they're going to come there in free agency. But that's not how it works in the NBA. You can't just go throw your money at a big-time free agent and they're going to come to Cleveland and play. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why there's that daunting fear that Donovan might leave. Guys, we still have two years of him. Enjoy it. We have two tracks. The Donovan Prime right now, and he's playing out of his mind. His two best years so far individually is in Cleveland with this coaching staff and these players. I'm, and we have good young players right now who are getting back in the flow yeah. of it. It's not looking amazing, but we still can have our cake and eat it too and enjoy the regular season and go through the growing pains because Denver Nuggets, that was seven years in the making, and they won a championship. You don't think they had conversations about trading Jamal Murray? Is he reliable? And look, they stayed patient, they held in there, and they they reaped the benefits. Milwaukee, same thing. When Giannis was a young player, he was knocking dudes out into the stands, and no one assumed that he was going to become the face of the league. And then they and then it paid off for them. Like Josh, small market teams need to stay patient in the NBA, and we got to enjoy it. That's several good points. It's a really good call. Thank you very much for it. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Steve in Cleveland, you're next up on the fan. Yeah, good morning, guys. Good morning, Steve. I I, I agree with you. I don't think the Cavs should trade anybody 
I, there's a gr- great chemistry there. You guys know that as well as anything. You can you can put all the superstars together that you want. If you don't have that chemistry, you're, you're not going to go anywhere. And then on, on top of that, yesterday Mitchell didn't play almost the whole third quarter. Brought him in in the fourth just to close out the game with like three minutes left. Allen was out, and uh, the team still looked good. I enjoyed, obviously, from what the game was, Steve, thank you very much for the call. For them to look good yesterday, I thought it changed my perspective in a lot of ways. I, I mean, what was I saying about them just a few weeks ago? Right before Christmas break and talking about the preschool mentality and how we're just happy here and we're getting different letter grades and things like that, I was very upset. And still, you know what? And If they go out there and they end up doing the same thing like they did with the Knicks last year and they do the same thing again, I'll be upset. I'll be even more angry because I got fooled. But I thought last night, I thought it changed the tide for a lot of this. 216-474-0092. I, I think what, what is impressed me, so he talked about that time without uh, Donovan Mitchell. Like, they have shown they will win games and win quarters and win stretches of games with the most bizarre lineup. Sometimes without a point guard at all. Sometimes, you know, they went yesterday out of necessity without a big man for extended periods of that game. And they just... They just went with Donovan Mitchell and shooters. Yeah. And you're like, well, we're going to get crushed on the glass. And I know Memphis is not necessarily the test. They have a bunch of guys that are like in the G League that have no business on an NBA floor right now. But they have the confidence to do that. And I said JB empowers his guys to get out of their comfort zone. I think he's done it with Max Struess. Max Struess, last night, he have double-digit rebounds. And he, he's getting every single hustle rebound on the floor. Max Struess shouldn't be that guy. You know, that, that shouldn't be you know, the type of guy that he is. But on this team, he's able to do it because I do think JB empowers. And I, I don't ever know if, J, if JB is going to be the coach that, you know, gets them to the next level in the playoffs or gets them into the NBA Finals. I don't know if that's the guy. I mean, he's he still has a lot to prove in that regard. But right now, that's what this team needs. And I, I think people overlook that with JB. Boomer Science and a Mike Valeni call, all, cover all the news around the football world and weigh in on the final two teams standing in tonight. At 7 o'clock before overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Listen on the Odyssey app, which is free, presented nationally by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it in Lowe's. Lowe's knows home improvement. We'll talk Browns with Daryl Ryder coming up at 8 o'clock. Billy in Mansfield, you're next up on the fan. Hey, what's going on? It's Tony. How you doing? Oh, Tony in Mansfield. Nicely produced in there, Mitch. Tony, go right on ahead. Tony. Yeah, yeah. can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, so I love the effort from the Cavs in the regular season. Um, really proud as a Cavs fan for that to be happening. But I guess generally when you're talking about, okay, does it really matter? Are we just waiting for, you know, hitting that switch for playoffs? And I just think it's generally just do you have the availability to watch them or are you paying for them? So, like, you know, Tone was talking about, you know, if you, you're paying your hard, hard-earned money to go watch the Cavs play and you're not disappointed. Definitely agree. But I, I don't know. I'm not going to project – my situation on everybody's situation, but I would still say primarily in majority, like I don't have ballet. So it kind of sucks because I still don't get to see a lot of the Cavs games. You know, I love listening to you guys talk or, you know, the other, uh, the other shows, you know, throughout the day or looking on my app and stuff like that. But it's like, I'm still waiting for that switch for playoff time. I hate I that. Can. I hate that. Cause I think it hurts the day-to-day interaction about the Cavs, Tony. It, it sucks, man. I, I really do. Like, there are people out there, and, and Tony, thank you very much for the call. Can I just speak about that for a moment? Like, on social media, there are some people, they are hardcore Cavs fans, and they're going to see the Cavs no matter what. Tony's a working guy. He's been a caller for years. 
There's other things going on. And I think a lot of people are exactly like Tony. You know, whether it's Mansfield, Sandusky, Conneaut, don't matter. And I think that it does kind of hurt the day-to-day conversation about it. Because if they can't see it, like how many people didn't know Evan Mobley didn't play last night? He was held out precautionary as it because he's coming back from an injury. Like how many people didn't know that? There's a lot of things. You said it yourself. There was, there was confusion on whether what time the game was. Remember, they switched the game time on everybody. Now, this was a couple of weeks ago, but if they're not watching, they don't see it. And didn't you, somebody told me that even the broadcast got it mixed up two nights ago of when this game was going to be last night. Yeah. So that doesn't even make the matters any better. Now, I'm not going to put that on the general interest of the Cavs. I, I think there's plenty of general interest to the Cavs, and people are waking up after football season and after the Knicks series and maybe waking up after they were angry about it. But what I'm seeing here is a good professional effort by this team, whereas I thought that they would line up and make a bunch of excuses before Christmas, and here we are. 216-474-0092. We'll get back to the Cavs with a twist coming up at 820. Daryl's going to join us at 8 because I thought it was something you had to do, which is restructure Deshaun Watson's contract for this year. Andrew Barry apparently is thinking, hey, not yet, not so fast. That's coming up with Daryl at 8. Coming up next... Lima spent all day in the ER yesterday. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima here on The Fan. FML, my life. My life. FML. Kenny, what do we do? Fixing lives. My life. Tone, you were in the ER all day yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, we had to get some x-rays. We had to figure it out. Okay. What happens is, you know, you drop the kid off at the in-laws, then you go retrieve the kid, and then the kid has lost the ability to walk, and you're like, well, something must have happened here. She wasn't crying? (laughs) Well, no. Apparently, there was uh, no singular incident that led to this. Did she? Okay, so there was a a series of incidents. Well, I I have no idea. Comedy of errors, so to speak. so (laughs) So what did they say? She fell down? They don't even know. No, they 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 went for a nice walk. We had one of our 10 summer winter days yesterday. It was glorious, Kenny. I got a little uh, little jog in yesterday. It's nice to oh. air out and get outside. You get 40 perfect days and 10 yes. somewhat good perfect. Yeah, how many good winter days do we truly get here? Not very many. Yesterday was that day. Usually I think the sun's overrated, but yesterday it's like, <laughs> oh, man, this is glorious. Thank God. We were out. I was worried I was going to burn myself. So she was walking with the with the grandparents. Yeah, they they were very active, which we love. We absolutely love. Get her out of the house. Have her do some things. Can't just sit inside. Well, all yeah, obviously. But then you went to pick her up, and she's just crawling around. She was crawling, and then she started walking, and the uh, the left the left toe inverted in a direction it's not supposed to be, and she's like walking on the side of her foot, like looking like a. That's not the way we taught her to walk. How'd she look? She looked like a truck, like going down the highway with a bent frame. Or? Yeah, it was not. It was. It was alarming. I thought she was gonna roll it over. It was so oh, bad. Poor so I'm like, what Mr. happened? Jones. But uh, the in-laws said at no point was she in distress. There was no. There were no warning signs of this. So you took her to the ER. Did you take her to the ER? Where'd you take her? No, we went to the the normal doctor first, and they're like, no, you got to get X-rays immediately. Whoa. So. Drive it all over the place to get the x-rays. We went in, and there was uh, one young technician, then one older technician, and you could just tell. I would think, oh, they're going to love to see kids. That that breaks up the day. No. Kids are the worst thing ever because they're going to cry. 
and they're going to lose their mind, and they have to be held down. They have to set still. Yeah, which is really hard. Really hard. They do not like that. So uh, that was a bit of a nightmarish thing, and I'm always trying to keep it loose. I'm trying to add some frivolity to the proceeding. I'm trying to joke around. There was none of that. No. There was none. Miss Ratchet was there with the camera and the the X-ray machine. So how did it go? Uh, how it went was we got home and of course, you know, poor Izzy's late to get her dinner time situation going and she's crying on the way home. So we finally get home and Sarah's like, finally, we're home. This has been the day from hell. I get a phone call from what that time same is place. it now? Now it's, uh, 545. Oh God. Uh, you guys need to come right back. We got the wrong foot. Well, you didn't know which foot it was. No, I know what what it is but, but they got oh so they yeah. took her away you weren't in there yeah i was there but i was talking to them and i wasn't really paying attention for oh, like two sarah seconds sarah wasn't with you she's no, pregnant she, she, she can't, can't go be in. in the room yeah she can't go in so, so you got, let them do the wrong foot i don't i mean she has a she has an order that's there that says left foot we need the x-ray the left foot really okay so never mind I, I wasn't you know staring the entire time plus it was i didn't want to stare because it was sad she's was crying it? Izzy's left foot or the yeah. technician's left foot who was looking back in the other direction? Either way, they got it wrong, so we had to come right back. Initial x-rays, negative. Yeah. because they It was successful x-rays yeah. is what the press release said from the Browns. So what did they say after? Did You called me. It was like 7 o'clock. Yeah. And it was a very quick phone call, and then you had to do something else. Even worse, though, um, is our doctor did warn us that the x-rays might come out neg- negative, but because of the way little baby bones grow and the tendons and everything around that it could obscure a fracture that could reveal itself down the road. And I'm like, so what's the point? Let's just assume it's a fracture now and let's get to work. So what did you, what, what did they tell you to do afterwards? There's nothing right now. It came out, it came out negative. Hey, the doctor that's said the it's worst, negative. So no. both feet came out negative. Yeah, both came. It would have been funny had it been the other one. That's the worst because you're upset that you have to go put her through yeah. it again. You have to go there again. But it's not like you're going to sue them. No. There's nothing you can do. No, and Sarah, just, Sarah's on the outside because she didn't stay in the waiting room. She's on the outside of the door crying, bawling. She's texting me. Yeah, this is ridiculous. People. This is torture. I can't I can't listen to this. And I'm like, and she's, I was wondering, what could that possibly be? Maybe a fracture. Maybe the wrong foot x-rayed. I don't know. Usually I don't stop to say something um, negative towards Sarah Ono, but I did feel bad about that. You did, yeah. I you did, did. I feel talked bad to yesterday. In seriousness, I guess I got to pull back the curtain. I was like, "Oh, that sucks." Because what? Her due date was yesterday. Her due date was yesterday, so we are we are on baby watch. Well, you ain't gonna be here on Monday. No, it doesn't look like it. Can I come over this time when the baby's born, or are we just or are we keeping Ken away again? Come on in. I think you know we're you're overprotective with the first, right? But the second one, it's like, ah, let's and go. Who cares? Yeah, because we, we figured out how to do this the first time. I wasn't allowed to come to the hospital to see the first, and now it's been over a year, and I haven't seen the first. <laughs> Eventually. And we're, you keep, we're 17 months And into you this. keep scheduling things and then inviting me later after you know that I have things that I have to do, and then you blame me, which is the best thing about it. And then you have the marble mouth stick it to me every chance he gets, which makes it even better. And then Jim, the actual godfather, likes to stick it to me and says that he's the real godfather, and this is why he's the real godfather. So when Enzo the baby comes... Like, Buddy, I'm going to be there. Oh, and You're going to have to call Cleveland and, Clinic security on me I don't to know. make sure that I stay Maybe away. Maybe Izzy's a Michigan fan because she's talked with Keith a number of times. She's like, Keith, Keith. She loves Keith. Maybe once uh, she'll get to see Uncle Kenny one of these Keith years. Keith is terrible with people. At least Look he's at present. Hmm. 
me and your father have something in common. All right, that's enough. I'm sorry. 216-474-0092. Um, Bill Callahan gone. Guys, you have to have a little bit of class about this. Because you brought it up, and I thought it was more like a Dennis6969 thing on Twitter, like a straw man thing, and immediately a pe- bunch of people got in and goes, no, Lima's right. Why didn't we get anything? Why, why didn't we make a bigger deal about this? I go, you can't strong arm. You can't strong arm Bill Callahan into staying. It's a bad look. He's a 67-year-old man. If you're a 67-year-old man who's already made a gobs of money as a head coach in the NFL, as well as a position coach in the NFL, what, they pay him $3 million a year last year over the last couple of years? I think Albert Breer said that. Albert Breer said that. You can't just strong arm Bill Callahan into staying. He'll just leave you, and then that's it. So you have to have, have some class about this. But then again, I opened up my computer, and during the break it was, Accus- accusations of tampering. It was. Yeah. It was. We should have got a pick out of this. It was. He just signed an extension. Why is he leaving? There's people who are somehow mad at Bill Callahan over it. Now, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's not a loss. It's a loss to lose a good offensive line coach that you know is good. Is a is a difficult thing to go through. I don't care if they knew it was coming. I'm sure they did. That doesn't matter to well, me. Well, remember, they they interviewed Guys, that other offensive line yeah. coach. So they're kind of the writing might have been on the That's wall true. that they knew. But just because you know a move's going to be made doesn't mean that you are going to make the right replacement. You could replace him with the wrong guy, and then it's a mess. Like, again, everybody's concerned about Jedrick Wills. Where would your level of concern be without Bill Callahan? You probably wouldn't be concerned at all because, hell, he might not be playing for the Cleveland Browns at that point. What's my level of concern coming into the season with DeWan Jones? It was a bit high. Well, it wasn't even high because he was a fourth-round project, and we knew. And then he came in, and he played exceedingly well. And I have to give the young man a lot of credit, but you also have to give Bill Callahan some credit as well. I can't just poo-poo the loss of Bill Callahan when we've looked at different offensive linemen come into this, this group over the last four years and play up to snuff with some of your better offensive linemen that you have. Because you need talent. You've had some good talent in there as well. But this is going to be a loss. But hey, the, if he was at, if the he asked to go be with his son, the Browns just got to let him go. He's sixty-seven years old. It's a bad look. Yeah, and that's what's hard for fans to understand that because the fans they don't they don't go to the owners' meetings. They're not they're not privy to you know the off-season gatherings and what this sport is like. The the times when you're supposed to. And I had asked. I think uh, you know last week we had Zach Jackson on. I asked, is this a professional courtesy? In this regard, you know, all fans hear the team say is we're all in. Well, all in to the fans is not allowing a coach under contract to leave if that coach is valuable. Mm -hmm. And you know for a fact that the way it's been perceived here in Cleveland is that Stefanski, most important, Schwartz and Callahan, 1A, 1B. Yeah. And now you lost one of those guys. And so the fans are like, I thought we were all in. I thought it was uh, no, no expense was going to get in the way of this, and, just and the this question, is this is a huge, huge loss to them. And just the question of the replacement, like we are all seeking comfort, comfort in yeah. knowing our head coach is good, comfort in knowing our quarterback is good, comfort in knowing if, if any of those other things question that other guys are good. Why were people mad at Joe Woods? Well, obviously he didn't know how to run his defense with the type of talent that he had, and we were all uncomfortable. We want comfort, now we're put in a position where, yeah, we have to risk discomfort. Because if I don't know who it's going to be, and I don't know if I can 100% trust that guy like I could Bill Callahan, 
I don't want to get mad, but I'm going to be a bit skeptical of things going into the season. 216-474-0092. Speaking of this offseason, the dangerous one, Daryl Ryder, where Andrew Barry said, not so fast on a restructuring of one certain Cleveland Brown. I bet you can guess who. Daryl Ryder joins us next on The Fan. We texted Joe Thomas yesterday. Folks, we did our part. He's now a coach. He's in Germany. He's eating schnitzel. That's about the most I know. We'll see if we can get him back. I, You want me to tell him what I said? Yeah, go I ahead. said, Joe, you've had your fun. It's time to pack your bleep and come back. Let's go. Didn't he just get there? Yeah, I don't care. You've had your fun. Like uh, Meadow Soprano wanting to go to Europe. Joe actually went, and uh, now it's time for him to come back. You had your rumspringa, and now it's time to come back to Cleveland and uh, fulfill the role that you're needed in. I don't care about anything else. It's time to do it. Daryl Ryder joins us. Brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. He's filling his role right now as he talks to us about the Cleveland Browns. Hello, Daryl. Joe didn't want to do radio. What makes you think he wants to come back and coach here? What are you trying to say, Daryl? I'm just saying. Get his hands got, on. Get really in on got, this. What are you talking about? Get it other, going. He's got other priorities. Okay, Daryl. Well, then who would you replace uh, Mike Bill Munchak? with? Um, I, I, I got to think that Scott Peters, who's been the assistant O-line coach, would be in consideration for a promotion. I mean, he's he's been next to Bill for the last four years here, so... Um, this is a pretty significant loss. Let's let's not sell this thing short. Um, uh, Bill Callahan really turned the Browns' offensive line into, quite frankly, one of the best units in the National Football League. And and even with some of the shuffling that was the result of injury over the last four years, you didn't see all that of a, a dramatic um, drop off. And it just to put his impact in perspective. Look at how far Dewan Jones came last year from when he arrived in May after the NFL draft going into the season and uh, when he replaced Jack Conklin. I, I mean, it was night and day. Um, so um, this is a pretty significant loss for the Cleveland Browns because Bill Callahan's one of the best, if not the best, offensive line coach in the business all right with that said then and we were just going over the the role he had in Cleveland um obviously the influence he had over the running game and the fact that they were able to you know go through so many offensive linemen through the years and they never seemed to miss that much of a beat is there any wonder why the Browns allowed this to happen if he was under contract well I mean look if you don't want to keep someone that's got their heart somewhere else that I you know, that's a, that's a component of it. Um, you know, if you love a, someone, set them free. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and you know, this is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity His you know, son gets this gig and he gets an opportunity to, to work for his son. You, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, the, the Browns were under no obligation to do it, but, you know, uh, I think that this was a uh, a gentlemanly move is the way I'll put it. 
you, by the Browns. You can't hold him hostage for crying out loud. Again, he's yeah. six seven year old man. And and when you think about it, like at first I was like, wow, they're actually going to be able to hold on to Bill Callahan. But the more you well, think and about that, it, that's what I was told a, a week ago. Yeah, that, you know they were very confident that uh, you know Bill was actually going to stay in Cleveland, and the organization wasn't nearly as concerned with his departure as you know we had been talking about since Brian Callahan w- was hired uh, as head coach by so the what Titans. Changed? And, what, what do you think changed? I think things change. It's just the way the business goes. I have a theory. Yeah. Throw it out there. Uh, I like I, it when you have theories. I think that his son was excited that he got the job, and then when you really get in there and you look at what you're going to need to do, you're going <laughs> to yep. need all the smart people around you because they're going to go through some serious changes here yeah. over the next couple of years, and you need smart people around you. They're going to be able to help out, and the game is won at the line of scrimmage. You need one of the best, and one of the best happens to be your father, who yep. also has experience being a high-level NFL head coach. That's a pretty good theory, Ken. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably what it is, and dads are always going to try to help their sons. Yeah, it's it, that's not going to be an easy rebuild down there in Tennessee. Nope. Um, I'm still stunned that the Titans got rid of uh, Mike Vrabel, but uh, they did, and uh, they don't have a franchise quarterback, and they're not a whole lot on those rosters, so uh, that that's going to be an uphill climb there uh, down in Nashville, but... Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, there's going to be a lot of patience required down there, and 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 one of the, one of the key components when you go through uh, a rebuild like that is you you want to begin the process of fortifying uh, the trenches on both sides of the ball because if you're going to compete in the National Football League, that's ultimately where it begins. And so um, you know, Brian bringing his dad down there to. Uh, to, to, to work in that uh, same capacity that he was uh, up here in Cleveland. Look, the, the results speak for themselves everywhere. Uh, Bill Callahan has been. Um, but you, you look up here in Cleveland, I mean, uh, the entire interior offensive line of the Cleveland Browns got recognized. I mean, and, and even uh, Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones made the, the, the pro football writers all-rookie team. Ethan Posick was a, a Pro Bowl alternate. Uh, Joel Batonio um, voted to the Pro Bowl, and then uh, Wyatt Teller uh, a- as well. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it just uh, it, it, it's really hard to just sit here and describe the impact that Bill had, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Uh, his players loved uh, playing for him as well. Um, he coached them hard, but he, he was like a father figure to uh, to his players too. One more on the offensive line. Has it changed your? Has it changed your ideas of what the future is for Jedrick Wills now? Um, if not, no big deal. I just have. Yeah, to ask. I I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, I think that, Jed has actually gotten better. Um, you know, he's where he struggles. It's with the consistency in being a complete player, right? Um, I think I've said this before with you, Ken. To me, Jed is an 80-20 player. 80% of the time, he's really good. The issue is that 20% of the time where he has a mental lapse or you know gets beat or whatever. Um, and if he eliminates those, if he's able to minimize and eliminate those, he can be a really good player, and we have seen that. And the organization uh, has, I, I think, been a lot higher on Jedrick Wills than 
maybe us or fans have been. Um, the organization has been fairly pleased with his growth and development uh, since he was drafted. Um, but now, like, you get into a situation where you're going to be making around $15 million a year, which he will uh, this year with the, uh, that fifth-year option in his contract uh, being picked up from that rookie deal, um, your, your expectations, I, I think it's natural that your expectation uh, for the level of play increases as well. But I think Bill Callahan did a really good job with Jed as well. But, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to sit here and say where I think Jed's ceiling is. I think that there's more that they can get out of him. Uh, and I think that Bill did all he could to get the most out of Jed. Daryl Ryder, our Browns beat reporter with us right now, talking Browns. Um, is there, right now, when you consider what has gone on in this offseason for the Browns, are you surprised that the play calling is something that is in doubt right now as of February 2nd? Yeah, a little, because I, I mean, I... I'm. I don't. I'm sorry. I just don't share the concern everybody else has about Kevin Stefanski still calling plays. It doesn't bother me. So, because um, again, for the millionth time, I think Kevin's done a hell of a job calling plays. I don't think it's an issue, but apparently it is. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's now. If Kevin decides that that's something he wants to give up, right? Because I mean, he certainly earned that right. If he's just sick and tired of doing it. Um, I, I remember Stefanski was on the station last January, and he did talk about that. It, you know, hey, it, it's pretty exhausting calling plays for four quarters. Um, you, you pretty much leave the stadium spent, and there's not a lot of th- time to think and react. And if he really does want to be, uh, you know, step into the role of, of just being a head coach and the game administrator and, and things like that, well, he's earned that right. But if he wants to keep calling plays, he's also earned that right because he's really good at it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, uh, I'm guessing at some point next week we'll get to talk to, to Ken Dorsey, and I'm sure there will be at least 50 questions asked about if Ken's going to be calling the plays or if it's going to be Kevin, and I'm sure Ken's going to say, well, we're still discussing that, and that'll be Kevin's decision. He is the head coach here, and I'll do whatever Kevin asks me to do. So prepare, prepare yourselves. Brace for impact. That's the answer you're going to get. All right, with all of that said, Daryl, we are starting to think about what the Browns are going to do in free agency. T. Higgins' name came up. Um, and then Yeah, J- he's following all the Browns on I social saw, media. I saw that. <laughs> then we played a clip from our old colleague, James Rapine, Bengals Homer. He says there's no chance he's getting to free agency. So obviously the Browns are going to be in the market. I'm laughing all- that you called him Bengals Homer. Oh, I'm that, sorry. That, yeah. I'm sorry. So, oh, no, that's uh, that's – you hit the bullseye. <laughs> he makes Dave Lapham look like Tone back That's in the day. That's very sad. Wow. That's sad. Sad save affair. So, because of that, if it's not T. Higgins, I mean, yeah. how aggressive do you think they will be to try to get another big-time wide receiver? Well, the, look, Andrew Barry's an aggressive GM. If there's one thing we've learned about this guy as the top football executive over the last four off-seasons, he does not take any time off. Um, so, I, I think that they will be aggressive in not just at receiver, Anthony, but just, you know, fill in other needs uh, on this roster. Um, but they, I think that they need it. And look, he's been trying the last couple of years. I mean, every year in the third round, death, taxes, and the Browns are going to draft a wide receiver. Um, 
you know, is that a good formula though to no, find not. to find I, the I, next stud well, wide receiver on a just, rookie contract? If you just keep drafting them and they're not working out, I don't know. Yeah, if that's and, really going to work. Well, and and I I think I got a little question about player development there too. Um, I think that that's a fair question to ask. You know, are you are, are you getting the development at that? Well, we it, talked about it, that last week, right? Within yep. that position group, I, I just you know. Uh, I think it's a fair question to ask, and that's something, obviously, and, and they're very bright over there. I'm sure that that's something as they're going through their offseason process, you know, that they're pulling apart and trying to figure out themselves. So I don't think I'm saying anything that's, you know, eye-opening uh, to them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's an aggressive GM. He spends money in the offseason. Uh, he doesn't hesitate to pull the trigger on making trades. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I I think that they've got to find a way to just take every excuse away from Deshaun Watson. Right. And it's hard to say that there's one, because look at what I, 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 I hate to, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I keep going back to those, those five weeks. And, and I know there's, there are two different types of players, but Joe Flacco didn't need an, a, another prolific receiver in that, you know, quote-unquote prolific receiver in that group. He didn't need T. Higgins. He, he did just fine finding people. He was completing passes to eight, nine guys uh, per game. Uh, threw for over 1,600 yards. Third, one fewer touchdown in five games than Deshaun Watson had in 12. Like, so I understand, I, I understand the question, Anthony, and I'm not downplaying it because I do feel like it is a need. They got to address the wide receiver room again this offseason, but like I also feel like Andrew Barry, he's been doing that every offseason where he's, you know, churn, uh, trying to augment uh, that position group with more talent. And, um, you know, maybe the results haven't been what you or myself or, you know, fans uh, had hoped to be. But like, I, I just, I keep going back to those five weeks and it's like, well, ball distribution was pretty good with Joe Flacco. I think we need to find a way for where it's the same with Deshaun Watson. And, and he has the, uh, same uh, success rate at getting the football out and to that wide variety of players. Andrew Barry, uh, according to Zach Jackson, said that, no, it's not a foregone conclusion that you have to restructure Deshaun Watson. Should they do what they can to avoid restructuring Deshaun Watson? Well, this year, I think that they, they have to do it. And then going forward, it, it and this is why this year is so important, Ken, as far as Watson on the field, because there are financial team-building ramifications going down the road. Because when you restructure, what you're doing is you're taking his $46 million a year salary, converting that to signing bonus, and then stretching that signing bonus over the, the length of the contract, which includes voidable years. So if you even – they added voidable years last year. If they do it again this year – you're basically kicking the can down the road because if you get, let's say through this year, we're just having a discussion, okay? I'm not you know, rooting for failure or anything, but we're having a discussion here. If he doesn't perform this year, right? You're th- then you're three years into this thing with two more years to go, and you don't have anything to show for six draft picks and $230 million fully guaranteed, and you have to, in the back of your mind, think, uh, this ain't gonna, we, we can't extend him because the whole point is to extend his contract instead of having to put voidable years on the uh, on the back end so you lower that cap figure you want those to become actual years in the contract to do that so if he doesn't perform this year 
that sends up red flags that at some point, because when you get to year five of that contract, Ken, and you decide you don't want to extend him because it hasn't worked out, now all those voidable years that you've stretched a signing bonus, all those signing bonuses over, that becomes a uh, a balloon payment to the salary cap. And then you're you're similar to what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went through with Tom Brady this year, and it worked out for them because Baker Mayfield had a great season and won the division and got into the you know the playoffs there. But um, that salary cap bill at some point is going to come come due. They're fine this year. No need to worry about it. But it's a big year for him to show that he was worth that contract and he's going to be the franchise quarterback so they can think more about extending his contract rather than just, you know, cutting it off after year five. Daryl? You're a wonderful man. We thank you very much for the time. All the very best to you and yours. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a great weekend, guys. Talk to you Monday. The Dangerous One. Daryl Ryder presented by Scheib and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. 940 this morning. Coming in hot, 940. Somebody said they wanted to ask me an uncomfortable question. On Twitter. Do these, you just forget these things. He said he had an uncomfortable question. Somebody asked me about the Steelers and if my son was a oh, coach of the Steelers. Oh, that one, yeah. You gotta be a little more specific, Kenny. There's a lot of a lot of stuff happens during these breaks. Did you know what that was? This is the I second time. Uh, this second time. You didn't know what that was. Totally no, confused. And I spent I spent the whole segment looking up the guy we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. Never mind. Would I go coach with my son with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yes. Right. Yes. You would. Yeah. I'd have to help him. Because you remember, it was years ago when Justin Lane, when he had the whole Cleveland Browns bathroom situation, uh-huh. but his son, did he get drafted by the Steelers? So Justin was the player. I don't remember the father's yeah. name. He got drafted third round by the Steelers from Michigan State, went to, went to Benedictine, mm-hmm. drafted by the Steelers in the third round, had to paint his Browns bathroom Steelers <laughs> He colors. had to go Steelers colors. Yeah, his dad called colors. up. And yeah. he was great. And his whole family called up. Like the, the uncle was in. Yeah. We had like four straight lane callers oh. all getting into it with us. And it was There's great. A segment we called Stay in Your Lane. So we were wondering what that was going to be like oh, for individual fans. Like if your kid got drafted. And so we asked Ken because Ken hates the Steelers. But if your kid ends up getting drafted, he said, no, it would not be a fan. And I'm like, you're a liar. Well, this I is would, the biggest I pandering from, no, lie I've no, ever heard I, in the I, history no, of the station. No, no. Well, again, you just try to paint me into a corner like you will at 845 when we talk about defensive coaches for whatever reason. You don't understand. If I were already a football coach and I had that expertise, I would help my son in his career. That's the case. But I know I'm no help to my son if my son becomes a football coach. So I'm not going to go and assist him at being a football coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's not how that would go. If my son were a player, I would hope my son does well. Every other game except for against the Cleveland Browns, I hope he doesn't hurt himself, but I hope he doesn't win. It's the same thing I said about Mitch Trubisky. So, it's the same thing I said about Mitch Trubisky. Stop accusing me of things that are not true. So if in 30 years the Axel Carmen show is on air here in Cleveland – and for some reason, his call screener finds a new job and they need somebody to come in. Would you, Ken Carmen, what? go in there out? and be the call screener for him? Yeah, why not? And get the staples thrown at you? I don't throw any staples at anybody. Oh, at I don't throw any water bottles at anybody. The tasks. And the belittled. I don't belittle one by anybody. One tasks. 
I don't belittle. How many producers Listen, have we had? You guys sit there. Too oh, many. Oh yeah, I'm the one. You want to talk about the text messages that you've <laughs> said in the past about these guys? Hey, I never quit. Me. Over those. You Me. accidentally sent them to. Oh, and that was the best thing about it. Mitch, once you understand that everybody's just going to talk trash behind your back here, it's, you're going to be fine. I've just assumed it already. It's okay, happening. there you go. Now you're going to be worry. just fine. I'll send you the screenshot. Yeah, you guys get mad at me just because I'm willing to say it to his face. Ain't it, I, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I used to have to go get Coke for people, so I don't even want to hear it. It was a different time, Kenny. That was a different time. It was would a different go time in radio. For your no, I would not. No, I would not. But if my son had to go to Pittsburgh and be a host, I'd say, son. You get crystal clear Pepsi. Let me help you. (laughs) Exactly. I'd say, son, let me help you. And I'd say, all you need to do is talk about Kenny Pickett for four and a half hours a day, and you are going to be just fine. Trust me. Kenny Pickett. Well, that's what one successful radio show host in Pittsburgh does. So I I assume that that's what works over there. Well, and rip me off. But, you know, that's. He's my son, so he'll probably do that anyway, right? And he's allowed to. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Yeah, that. By the way, that story is at the emerging podcast scene. Find it ninety two three thefan dot com in the archives. Where uh, I was, um, I had to help some people out back in the day. It's perfect treadmill Way listening. Way back in the day, it is. You will, if you just started listening to the show, you will be shocked at twenty year old Ken Carmen and what he had to do when he first started in the business. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. Yeah, but I'd help him. Okay, coming in hot nine forty. It's going to be a hell of a time. Uh, all we need is a personal trainer with sources and Ted Strickland singing. David Pingalore, who used to be in Cleveland, apparently. Tone, I did not know this. Yeah, uh, he is a reporter at KTLA. Says he's hearing from NBA peeps that at King James. This is what he tweets. All right, I don't use the word peeps, but here we go. Hearing from NBA peeps, King James is on the top of the Lakers list to trade the 39-year-old. Palenka is looking for the right team to dance with and is close to a suitor. LBJ and AD both out tonight. A lot of traffic going on on that social media post. A lot of traffic. Is this a conversation worth having yet? Is this a serious conversation yet? Um, Because when I said I didn't want, I I was like, hey, man, I, I like LeBron and his legacy. We're good. I'm fine with what he was. I don't need to go back and try to relive the magic. You thought I was nuts. A lot of people, you were surprised. A lot of people tended to agree with me. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Now, they didn't agree with you for the same reasons you had that thought. I think a lot of them were just going political. I don't think, for basketball reasons, they would have embraced it. But they couldn't look past, you know, the things that, the, the causes he champions. They couldn't look past any of that. You, the second day in a row, people bringing up politics. I'm leaving the politics out I know out you of are. It. Yes, okay, you are. for the love some of God. People, some people, actually, most people now say, are but, incapable. But when you say that, then the people are like, well, he doesn't want him just because of his political no, views. No, no I made it clear. On. I made it clear that's trying not to win, ba- Trying to win basketball games here. But at the same time, it's like, man, he's 39 years old. There is a there is a diminishing return of value here. And I likened it to a movie yesterday, which, by the way, you, you think about the reach we have. There was somebody who was listening. I have to say this correctly. I don't want to put them out there. Uh, there was somebody who was listening when I made the reference about Home Alone 1, 2, and 3 and how Home Alone 3 was not a good movie. Um, they are a family member of the star of Home Alone 3. So where? And I said, I did not did they mean live? to. Oh, I'm sorry? Where do they live? I can't tell you. I don't. I, seriously, they're like, please don't use my name, but I'm. 
they are a family member of mine. And I went, I didn't mean to upset you. I'm sorry. Which they said they weren't upset, but I said, I will correct that on the air. Seven billion people in this world, and I happen to uh, insult the actor who was in uh, Home Alone 3. And their well, family member he, listened. Has he and their family come under fire before because other people have had no, similar comments? No, no, about no. what it's done to the franchise well, of Home Alone. But it's—I don't—he's just an actor. I don't think it's his fault. <laughs> no. He was just doing the lines. I didn't say yeah. that he was a bad actor as a child. Now hear me. I'm walking it back here. I didn't say that he was a bad actor. I just said I'm not watching Home Alone three. And I, I'll use a different one: Godfather, Godfather two, glorious movies. LeBron is first time here. LeBron is second time here. <laughs> Everybody rips on Godfather 3. If Godfather 3 just stood alone, Godfather 3 would be a probably a fine movie. What if Sofia Coppola was listening or her family was listening? Well, then I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize to Francis Ford Coppola, and I'm surprised he'd be listening to Cleveland Sports Talk Radio at 835 in the Talia morning Shire on a Friday. Talia loves the show. He knows we drink the wine here. There's no way Talia Shire loves the show after what I've said about Adrian. There is not a chance. <laughs> We are told Larry David does listen from I think time he, to time. I think he definitely So don't listens. even start with that. That is, that is possible and true. So anyway, I liken it to Godfather where if, if LeBron came here and there was no other thing, and we never had him before, the Godfather 3 would have been a fine movie and LeBron would be here. But if I'm comparing it constantly to the wildness of the first time, the intoxicating moments of the second time it's not going to hold up guys it's not going to hold up. you're going to put an unfair standard on that guy because first off you're not getting lebron for nothing you don't you're think gonna have he's to give up one of these that? good players he's used to it but it doesn't matter can he physically rise to that occasion again oh i think he, man, the, the, i think he can the the mind might be willing but is the flesh i don't know anymore that's a lot to put on a guy if you were to put him on this team and you said, hey, he has Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Darius Carlin, and Jared Allen, yeah, it'd be a hell of a basketball team. But you got to give up some of those guys for that guy. And I don't know if you can. Yeah, I don't think last, you can. Uh, last Saturday, LeBron James had 36 points, 20 rebounds, 12 assists. So is this, I, I want to know from people, is this That's a serious insane. conversation? 216-474-0092. Is this a serious conversation? They're and six days away from the trade so deadline. I don't, Is it a serious conversation to bring back LeBron? Yeah, and I, I, I am fascinated because I saw what people were saying about Darius Garland last night, and yesterday I did say, yeah, if you were going to trade for LeBron, the Lakers would want Darius Garland, so he would be part of a trade, 100%. And then I saw how people reacted to his second game back yesterday. There was some ridiculous hysteria surrounding that, and I'm like, man, People are starting to warm up to that idea. And I'm like, I didn't really think that was a, a real idea. I'm just throwing trade, you know, proposals out. Mm-hmm. 216-474-0092. Is it a serious conversation to you to bring LeBron James back? Or are you going, man, no. I'd rather sit there and talk about offensive line coaches then. I'll get to you guys. And 940 coming in hot. And Lima tried to zing me. It didn't work. But we might be seeing a new trend in the NFL. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima, live on the fan. You are on the air. Good we news, are bad on news. the air. Yeah. What? What's the good news, bad news? Oh, about our off the air conversation. Okay, never mind. Uh, coming up at 940, coming in hot. Good news. We're going to do it. Bad news is, might not last that long. It's up to you guys, because I have a very terrible question to ask you guys if you do not want to play by the rules. The rules of the FCC rules. Is. Is this a serious conversation about bringing LeBron back again? 
Uh, immediately, people called in or texted me up and called me a bleephead and said, yes, it's it's a serious conversation. <laughs> well, it's weird, Kenny. I, uh, it's I weird because don't. it's hard to imagine after LeBron uprooted his entire, it's not just his family, it's the entire brand got uprooted when he left to go to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And his kids left his alma mater. They were on track, you know, to go to St. V's. And now they're going to Sierra Canyon or, you know, wherever out there in Los Angeles. And the whole point then was, hey, he's going to go to USC so he can watch his kid play. They can't just trade him. He He has to agree to be traded. Like, that's another thing. But I understand what you're saying. It's just, guys, it's it's over. It was fun while it lasted, and it's over. Okay? You have memories. You have great memories. And he's going to be a part of our, our culture until we all die. He will be a part of this culture, whether he's living or dead, by the time everybody listens to this dies. Because he's an icon. So he will be immortalized in granite somewhere around downtown Cleveland, probably in multiple places in Northeast Ohio. His jersey will hang in the rafters. He will be talked about. If you like sports, he will be talked about forever. If you are a person who goes around the uh, goes around Northeast Ohio because he has a lot of different things that he does in terms of charity and in terms of, of community involvement, you're going to talk about him. He is going to be a part of our lives forever. That's all well and good. I don't need him to play basketball for the Cavs anymore. Well, can I can I go through because a quick not, and what I'll tell you if what, with you? I'll, let me give him a little bit more credit. I know I said this yesterday in the morning. Let me give it credit again. I thought Nick was going to kill me for it yesterday afternoon. I can't believe he agreed with me. Because, again, I cannot stress it enough. Other than Dwayne Wade, one of how many teammates has he had in his career? One guy has ever played with LeBron. It is always, it's the Cleveland LeBrons. It's the Los Angeles LeBrons. It's the Miami LeBrons. You're always playing for LeBron. It's always a conversation of, well, he doesn't really want the power. Yes, he wants the power. And the worst part about it, he's the Anthony Lima of basketball players because he's as passive-aggressive as it gets, and it always turns into, I trust you'll make the right decision. And then he walks out, and then you think, what does that mean? It's the same thing Lima does, where he gets very passive-aggressive and does the old, you'll do the right thing. I don't know what the right thing is. Tell me, LeBron. Tell me, Anthony. And it's never, ever clear where he can say anything. And that will blow your mind as the season goes on. Obviously, it's a great memory. And I have good memories of this. They are nice memories. But you guys have to think about some of the bad memories and some of the struggle that you went through. So Nobody that's thinks of the bad stuff. So that well, that stuff seems to be all you're consumed with is the bad stuff. I'm not. This, so I have to bring it up because I have to warn you about what goes into you, bringing him back. You're and and every time a thousand out of a thousand, it's worth it with LeBron. Every team that's traded for him, every team that he's gone to has said it has it's been. worth it. This is the one thousand first time. And let me tell you something. Uh, the bars, the restaurants downtown. I think if they had a vote, okay, I think they would tell you. The, I 18, think, the 18th I, city I, councilman, Anthony Lyon, has something they would, to say. Uh, I think I know where they would go with this. All right. but uh, Anthony Palencic you, joining us here on the show. You have illustrated the negatives. Have you allowed yourself to think about, in a what-if scenario, the positive? Yeah, they won the championship. And, That's the what-if. And But you just you – just, you gave 30 negatives and then just glossed over like, oh, or they win the championship. No, it's not or but they win the championship. The, it's – it's four months of some of the best radio of our lives and some of the best memories of our fans and our listeners' lives. I think that's what's discounted here. I don't need you any just, of it. I got Deshaun Watson you, and the Browns to you talk just, about. <laughs> you just, in one fell swoop, <laughs> you, I, I like that. You, in one fell swoop, 
made it seem like, oh my God, the stress and the pressure and the drama, it's exhausting. That because I just had or, to describe my relationship with you. Or the 11 years of the amazing, which is what LeBron James gave us. The 11 years of incredible memories forged on the backs of that dude, who is the one guy who could handle it, the one guy that could and rise to the occasion. I don't know if he can handle While it anymore. so many Cleveland athletes have crumbled under the pressure, LeBron is the one guy that's been able to deliver in this town and I, something and that I'm so many others talked about delivering, and he actually could back it up. I'm glad he did, and I'm thankful that he did, but those were the bygone days. We, when you trade for a guy, you're trading for memories. I need to trade for his future. I'm going to give up everything for him for what? Okay, yeah. You would probably be more of a contender. I'm saying more of a contender. More. I'm not saying you would be more. Would, Anthony, when he was back here, ask, it was you or the Warriors, and that was it. Nobody else was taken ask, seriously. Ask the Boston Stop. Celtics. You're living in the past, Ask man. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Oh, God. And heaven. ask Joe Mazzula in his second what, year in the, in the if they would be in terrified of a Donovan Mitchell Jared oh Allen, Evan Mobley, LeBron you don't, James. You don't get those guys. So right now, you'd be trading Darius Garland. You'd be trading Darius. That's it? You'd only it, trade Darius Garland oh, yeah, for yeah, LeBron I mean, James? I mean, maybe Karis LeVert. Maybe draft picks. Whatever. Did, did Karis LeVert Whatever. and Darius Doesn't Paul matter. Rob Palinka, Doesn't who's matter. a former agent, ask him about time, Darius Garland and Karis LeVert. Last time I saw the Celtics play the Cavs, I saw Jalen Brown backing down Max Struess and Darius Garland and going too small. Uh, they wouldn't be doing that to LeBron. Max they would not be. They would not be doing that. I can trust me when I tell you. I can definitively say they will not be saying too small and backing down LeBron James. They will be, you know, whating their living pants in the past. if they saw. Le- no, I'm living LeBron nah. James last week, nope. where he scored 36 points, had 20 rebounds, 12 assists, game. 12 assists, and he played 48 minutes. Oh but you're telling God. me he's washed up? Does that sound like washed a washed-up guy nah, to you? No, you said I said he was washed up. I did not say he was washed up. Never a once. Don't stop putting words in my mouth. I didn't say he was washed up. I said I questioned whether or not he could take him to the hilt. When we got him back in 2014, it was you or the Warriors, and that was it. We took, we really took nobody else seriously in the East. A lot of people have gone broke doubting LeBron James, and Ken's about to be the next one. I wouldn't bet against him. I wouldn't bet on him. Ed and Bay Village, hello. Hey, Paisos. Ed and Bay Village, congratulations on all your success. Hello, I'm sorry. I just Lima lives in Bay Village, and I need to question the success Apparently, anymore. Apparently, I live now in the I'm past. Angry. Yeah, you're living in the past. Yeah. I didn't even I didn't even know. Hey, first, Anthony, good luck this weekend, man. Best to your family. It's an important time and a special time. Having three kids of my own, uh, I can tell you how much fun it is over the years. Two, uh, this is a serious question, and I take issue with you, Ken, because there is absolutely no way Godfather 3 is a quality standalone movie. If it were, by, if, it, if you'd never saw Godfather One and Godfather Two, you'd think it's a fine movie. No, yes, you, you would. would. Not. Ed, turn it off it's just Ed. because Sofia Coppola is not that great of an actress. But they wouldn't have picked Sofia Coppola had it just been its own Ed, Godfather. Ch- uh, Ed, you're telling me, you're telling me that you didn't enjoy the Vatican and no, right. the billion dollar business dealings with Immobiliari. Ooh, hoo-ah. it was awesome. And Joe uh, so- Montana. <laughs> The one thing basketball-related I'd say about LeBron coming back that I would actually like, I think Donovan Mitchell's hardest, I think it's the skill that he tries and backfires on him a lot, but I understand it's necessary, is him driving to the basket. And I think oftentimes when he stops short and takes a, a jumper from, like, the high elbow, then it looks okay. 
I think if you had LeBron, you would then open up the driving lanes for Mitchell. So I don't think it would be that bad, and I, I certainly think the plus side would be you. I think you'd instantly have a um, be a contender because of what LeBron could do for other people. Yeah, but what about when you, and everybody's bringing up his son? So what are, what are we? Are we a competing team or are we a preschool again? I just we accused him of being not, a preschool. Now we got to raise this kid with him. We already have hey. Evan Mobley's brother on the team for no reason. <laughs> I actually, Damn I think it. it'd be, I think it'd be fine. Damn I think you. the biggest issue though, Kenny, bringing up is there's, there's no way that LeBron would take a, a back seat to the other guys on this team, and that's the heart of the issue because I, and you know, then you get into you know culture stuff. So, but. And I didn't listen to anything you said because that lima really zinged me there. I didn't screaming obscenities. <laughs> in the- I didn't hear yeah. it. Yeah, listen, it's a, it was an excellent call. All right, Ed. Yeah, it was a good call. Thank you. <laughs> Can't call your own call excellent. On all your I think. I think Godfather Three. If it, you're right, Kenny. If it weren't called Godfather Three. Standalone it, movie. It it's interesting. It would not have had her in the it. opera. The entire opera final act, I thought, was excellent. It's just, you know, the acting. Some of the acting. Yeah. It, Pacino they, was way over the top. Because that's where wanted, he was they in They want him to do it, and they go, okay, put your daughter in the movie. If, if you'll do the movie, that's fine, because we just want to make $100 million because it's the Godfather. And if it were just the first Godfather, it would have been better done. It would have been more well done. And it's already not that bad of a movie. It's not great. It's like if Home Alone's 1 and 2 never existed, Home Alone 3 with a precocious child who is putting people through the paces and basically killing them, torturing them in a lot of ways. I mean, this is a former, this is a future serial killer very coming dark, around here. Very dark movie. It's, basically, it's Buffalo Bill as a child. It's a prequel. And so you go to this. What was the, there is a theory, by the way, about Home Alone and the good son. I didn't know this. Yeah, like Macaulay Culkin goes, grows up to be the good son, and they think it's like the son, like he just leaves his family. He's, he's Hey, he's been away from his parents twice already. Might as well be away again. And so he's taken in and he becomes the good son. I know which rabbit hole I'm going down after yeah, the show. Yeah, it's, it's dark. Oh, there's also a thing about Donnie being a serial killer in The Big Lebowski. You got to see it. It's a fantastic theory. Anyway, yeah, we don't need LeBron James back. What's X four seven four ninety two? Yeah, I can't use uh, I can't use Bronny as an t- argument either. All right, coming up. We'll get to some of you guys and coming in hot at 940. And you're not forced to do anything, but uh, you still better make sure you make this move. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lyman, take us with you to work on the free Odyssey app. Zach Jackson talked to Andrew Barry yesterday at the Senior Bowl. Did you watch any Senior Bowl practice? Uh, just what I saw online, basically. Honestly. I, so you didn't? I, what? Did they televise it on the NFL yeah, Network? it's always on NFL Network. Oh, they have <laughs> they have gavel-to-gavel coverage of the thing, man. They Yeah, that's it's a big deal. Zach Jackson talked to Andrew Barry uh, yesterday, or a couple days ago maybe, but I, I it, it came out yesterday. Andrew Barry said, and, and Daryl brought it up as well, in no uncertain terms that it doesn't need to be restructured this year. The cap is not necessarily a very big issue, and I'm going, man, I got a couple of different thoughts about that. I'd like to hear you at first, because I think a lot of fans are going, I hate to say it like this, man, but I think a lot of fans are going, all right. If he's bad, we get out of it sooner. That's true. That's true. Because, you know, if you restructure, you're basically kicking the can down the down the road. But if you don't restructure, 
can you afford the free agency help that you need when you don't you might not have as many picks as you used to, especially impactful picks like a first rounder? You have to make that decision, folks. Andrew Barry needs to make that decision. So he could say, and by the way, it could be certainly it's not gamesmanship. You you wouldn't want to say, hey, we absolutely need to restructure the contract. You can't necessarily say that in January. But the, by the time March comes around, or I should say February, by the time March comes around, yeah, it's going to be time. Go ahead. Well, I think it's dependent, too, on, like, if they traded for T. Higgins and the contract that T. Higgins would want. He'd be the highest paid, you know, wide receiver right now in the market. Um, in this particular market, not ever, but, like, in this particular market. Well, if that happens, then they, they, they're they so far over the cap right now, they'd have to restructure their their biggest contract, which would be... The Deshaun Watson. I but, just assume now they're not getting T. Higgins. Or well, right, right. I'm just saying that if if something becomes available that wouldn't have otherwise become available, I think that factors in. Also, it's interesting because every junior capologist on Twitter, and there's some really good ones that know the cap inside and out, they have all they have all said it's 100 a done deal. The, the Browns will have to to be able to have any flexibility That's whatsoever. That's what I assume. They will have to restructure yeah. the contract because so, if they don't, they'll have no flexibility. Well, there were. I mean, we had a caller yesterday who said he'd rather eat the contract, which I said was absolutely positively bonkers. Which shows you, I hate to say it, just in real life, how questionable people think people think things are right now with the quarterback situation with the Cleveland Browns. I just assume you had to. Now, the other ways to cut money that we know of right now, the obvious ones involve Nick Chubb, I think Conklin, Ex- and Ooh, restructuring Nick Chubb. Oh, I'm talking about just cutting him. No, I mean, they no, could, no, 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 well, no, no, no. That's why no, I'm saying no, 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 I don't, I don't no. think they're going to do that. But cutting Nick well, Chubb, do that. Uh, saying goodbye to Conklin and uh, Amari Cooper, but we don't think they're going to do that. Uh, I, I, don't I know, know, I know you don't, but. I wouldn't even bring it up as a possibility. Yeah. That's why I assume all along they will be restructuring and kicking the can down the road. What would on the hit Deshaun, be on Conklin? Conklin, know? his cap hit. I put you in a bad spot. You might have to look that up. It's it's considerable still. I mean, his cap hit this year, 19, 19 four the mm. following year, but dead cap is 24 the two years combined. Jeez. Yeah, it's... um. <laughs> they're in a no-win with Conklin by by extending him the way they did and then him getting injured immediately and then yeah, the following year getting injured immediately. You didn't know Dewan Jones was going to be know. himself. So you, you, it's weird. It was the going rate for a, for a right tackle like Jack. I think some people are surprised because all we do is talk about how, mo- how important left tackles are. We never talk about how important right tackles are. This is going to get nitty-gritty here for just a moment here. I don't know if you have to play it, but right tackles because of the type of athletes now you have at quarterback, right tackles have become just as important. Because if you had a right-handed quarterback, obviously they're not seeing it from the blind side, but if you have a right-handed quarterback, they're going to want to get out and step up in the pocket, then step out of the pocket, and you need a guy to, to get in there and make sure he does good work and has great feet. And Dewan Jones's feet were, were wonderful in the right tackle spot. And up until terrific. the injuries, Jack Conklin had great feet. So the right tackle spot is becoming just as not just as important, but almost as important as the left tackle spot, and that means that they're yeah. going to get paid a lot more well, if they're that important. And so the other name, Amari Cooper, I think they'd save $12 million um, on Cooper. So it makes sense to me that they'll restructure Cooper or they'll extend him and lower that lower that hit next year because the cap hits $23 million. I think they can, you know, dip into that by extending him down the road, which, you know, there's risk-reward. The, the reward is, holy crap, Amari Cooper looked great. 
up until the injury at the mm-hmm. end of the year. He was amazing. He had his best game, you know, in his NFL career. Well, he hurt his heel in the best game yeah. of his NFL career. Yeah, he was terrific. The risk is he is almost 30. And what do we know about most receivers? When well, there's going to be a 30? drop off at some point. Yeah. I also think, though, that if you can extend him, boy, it, it, look, see, this conversation almost goes to the same spot anyway you, cut, you talk it out. It goes to the spot where the quarterback's just going to have to play well. I mean, that's it. Like, I, I heard Albert Breer on with Nick yesterday, and he was asked the question about whether or not, you know, Watson's play is just as important as wins. I want to play this answer for you, but I, I have a different thought to it from what Albert Breer says. Hit it. Look, like if he gets hurt again and you win 13 games or he just plays okay and you win 13 games, like I'd say it's still fine. You know what I mean? Like where it gets tricky is if you're good, not great, maybe you don't get to the level you were at last year and Deshaun's average. You know, I think that that's where it's like, okay, like, so who are we going to point the finger at? Well, now it's kind of hard to point the finger at the quarterback because you still have him under, you know, under a fully guaranteed contract for a couple more years. And that's where, you know, sort of decision making can come in where you might say, okay, you know, now we got to do something else. We got to change something else to get him going. That's why he sort of reshuffled offensive coaches in an effort to do that. What's next? Well, I don't think you win 13, 14 games without Deshaun Watson playing really well. Yeah, that's hard. I think that's the difference this year. Yeah, and the other part of it is, what are the odds the defense plays as dominantly? I think they could be really good again next year, mm-hmm. especially in year two of Schwartz's system. But what are the odds you get the performances like you did against Cincinnati, against Tennessee? I mean, we are talking all-time dominant, singular performances like the defense is not going to be just statistically they're going to maybe they'll force more turnovers I mean you never know about any of that that always seems to be filled with luck. Well, I turnovers it tends to be almost year by year I mean you'd like to force turnovers your defense would like to force turnovers I know things got a little bit better as it went on but I know that that was a frustrating thing for them at the beginning of the season uh, but in terms of turnovers offensively I mean you have to try to limit your turnovers as best you can I can't see there being two straight years where you just have that many turnovers in a season offensively with any quarterback that you had. Again, as much as we, I, I like and respect Joe Flacco, he did have three pick sixes in two games. And could have had more. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was as bad as it gets on, on, on that front of things. Everything else was great, but that was as bad as it gets. For, for Watson, they need, to, they need to keep this window open as long as they can because th- this is my thinking. I don't think anybody out there, yeah, I, I started ripping on this yesterday, and you can go back and listen, 7 a.m., 923thefan.com. I said, people are getting very emotional about this. We're doing the same thing with Deshaun Watson that we did with Baker Mayfield. There are people who will only listen to positives with Deshaun Watson and will go and search the ends of the earth for good plays by him to put on social media to somehow prove a point that he's still a good quarterback. Then there's people who will not pay attention to any of that, and they will do whatever they can to besmirch him as a quarterback. It's the same exact thing we did with Baker Mayfield. Look at the reasoning of it. Look at the decisions they've made with their offensive staff. They clearly believe that things need to get better. They clearly do. So how do I make things better? How do I take pressure off Deshaun Watson? Because, again, this is a long thing to it. Last year, and people got emotional about this, this last year, I should say, Joe Flacco exposed a couple of things. 
one, I think he might have exposed the offense and the changes they needed for that offense, Boy, that's considering that they are working with Deshaun Watson for their future, not 39-year-old Joe Flacco. So that's one of the things that I think that was exposed. Second of all, I brought this up a million times. It's not rust. It's confidence. So I'm working with Deshaun Watson no matter what. I need to make him confident no matter what. This all needs to work out the way I need it to work out. And I need to put him in a more confident position. How do I do that? I make sure that the team is loaded with talent. So the Browns have no no other choice but to rob Peter to pay Paul. And if he works out, if he starts playing exceedingly well throughout the entire year, it's going to be great. And it's all going to work out, and things will be wonderful. And yeah, you're going to have to go through a roster turnover a time or two, but you'll keep your head above water. If you don't do this, if you don't, didn't restructure him, I'm afraid you might be cutting off your nose to spite your face. Because now I'm putting up a wall where I I did all this work to open up this window. And maybe the window isn't there. And you're going to bring up the the point of sunk cost fallacy, possibly. I don't even know if you're on the other side of this. I'm just explaining it. You might bring up sunk cost fallacy, which is true. But guys, I got no other choice. I have no other choice. I might get my first round picks back eventually. And I might get all that other stuff eventually, but we're going to be a young team and we are going to be hamstrung by the former contract. No matter what it is, it almost turns into tone. I hate that. <laughs> we were just talking about LeBron. It almost turns into LeBron. It almost turns into LeBron. The power is wielded by one guy because of his contract. You have to do everything you can to put town around him right now. And when he's done, he's going to have to either, he'll stay and he'll either have to carry a team that needs to be restructured or needs to be turned over in that roster, or if we have to move on from him, because that's usually how it works in the NFL, not the other way around. That's the difference with LeBron. If we have to move on from him, 2016 and 17 were really rough. We're probably going to go back to that at some point. At some point. Sorry. Well, that's a very sobering thought. I didn't mean to do it like that. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be a downer for anybody. but Well, that's why we understand the stakes. We understand how important the season is. And I, I just think the entire training camp is going to be a couple of things we're going to be dialed in on. Because I think we we know the defense is going to be good. They'll have a new wide receiver that they're going to work in. We'll, we'll see what that chemistry is like. So that'll mm-hmm. be a big conversation. But the real conversation will be how has, how has Deshaun Watson healed up from that glenoid Injury and surgery. Which and I didn't even bring that up. So Some people are alarmed at, but we'll see. Maybe it'll be fine. Maybe we trust the Browns and the rehab and that he'll be back to where he needs to be. That's number one. Number two, the let Deshaun Watson cook phrase is going to be no heard choice. a lot. I think you got no other choice. You, you, you parallel that with what he said about scripted plays and you saw Joe Flacco dominated with the scripted plays. Uh, the fact that we know Deshaun's numbers now, they get stronger as the game goes by. He's a field quarterback. He's a field quarterback. You know what that means. He, he is a guy that needs to feel it. He's, you keep, you're not telling Deshaun Watson where to throw the football. That's not him. He has instincts. He has a way he plays the game, which is not the same as some of the other quarterbacks in the league. I think that that can be a, a dangerous thing to say about a lot of quarterbacks. When you say they have to feel it, I, I, think, that quarter, I think that any coach – Wants somebody who can process it before they feel it. And when I say he has to feel it, I think you're you're leaving out, not you, but I think when we say it, it sounds like we're trying to leave out a lot of details that need to be filled. 
it, it is still going to be a detailed-oriented position. You have to be able to see things pre-snap to be able to take advantage of them. And you have to see things pre-snap to make sure that they're not taking advantage of you. And I think that Deshaun Watson can do that. He's illustrated that in his podcast before. So I don't doubt that. But when we say he's a feel-it-out quarterback, that's why I think they've made these moves and brought in Ken Dorsey because he's had that type of quarterback before. 216-474-0092. Do we have to restructure that contract? People getting in on that. And Lima tried to zing me yesterday on the phone. Little does he know, I'm still right. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima, live on the fan. Coming in hot, 940. Don't you mess it up. I'm going to ask you the nastiest question you've ever been asked. You are going to hate it. You are going to hate me for asking <laughs> yes. you. Which there's going to be people who dive bomb it and just for me to do it. I'll do it. I'm a, I, I came up with the most diabolical, nasty-ass question. And by the way, it's evergreen. So if you guys can't do it right next week of the week. Actually, no, I'm going to suspend coming in hot for the next two weeks. After, after, for paternity. For Agreed. paternity for tone. Yeah. I, we, I ain't doing it with, with somebody else. I'm doing it with you. That's how it works. You know, I if my wife ain't home, I don't just do it with somebody else. I do it with her. That's the way it goes. 216-474-0092. A lot of people, real quick, before we get back to the Watson stuff, because I want to get to these calls. You were right. I thought you might be straw man in it at the very beginning of the show about Bill Callahan. And the people who were saying that the Browns should have talked tough and maybe should have blocked Bill Callahan from going to the going to the the Tennessee Titans. I am concerned about their future. Now, Scott Peters is his assistant offensive line coach. He's been with the Browns the last three years. He was a former NFL offensive line, which, by the way, he's one of the guys, he's one of the, like the Joe Thomas guys, Nick Hard- uh, Hardwick guys who were bigger in the NFL and is now all cut up. At least from this photo, it looks like here. He's a strapping man. Uh, hopefully, he's learned a lot. Maybe he gets the bump and maybe it's going to work out well. Like, I can't guarantee. I'm not saying because Bill Callahan's gone, this is going to be a huge embarrassing failure. It's much better to replace a guy in February than it was like when you had to do with Andy Moeller, which those were extenuating sad circumstances, but better than when you had to do it right before the season started. So if you got to replace a guy, this is better to do it now. We knew he wasn't going to be here forever, but I also know that I know it's a business 67 years old. He could just leave you. And then you're left with nothing. And I don't want to upset him. Who knows? Maybe they go after Scott Peters, and he's only an assistant offensive line coach. Maybe to the bump to the to the actual line coach, that would they would do. Because there were several people going, Ken, you said it yourself. They have to give Bill Callahan a promotion. Well, you could always just agree to move on. And they could just give him a quote-unquote honorary title of assistant head coach slash offensive line. And it's a bump in, in, in title, and then that's it if they really wanted to do it. But I thought the Browns did the right thing and just, it seems, as of right now, I mean, it's only reported that, hey, he wants to go coach his son with his son. It's fine. And I don't have anything nefarious behind it. I don't know if Bill Callahan, and I'm not saying he was, I don't think Bill Callahan was upset. I think he's probably sad to see his friends have to move on, and Alex Van Pelt's going to be an offensive coordinator. It looks like play caller with the New England Patriots and Stump Mitchell and everybody like that. I think that for Bill Callahan he sees a rebuild project going on in Tennessee and damn it, everybody's going to do what they can to help their children. And so he's going to help his son. You got a really big 
rebuild you have to do. You got Will Levis down there, and he's, hey, we did shirtless quarterback talk yesterday. He's cut up, so I don't know how well he's going to work out. You got ripped quarterbacks. I don't know how, how much I can gauge their success. So it's going to be tough for for Brian Callahan. And if if I were Bill Callahan, yeah, I'm going to help my son. By the way, I just saw when when Pittsburgh hired Arthur Smith, uh, there were rumors that he was going to be reunited with Mike Munchak, mm-hmm. who I think has not been a coach over the last year, two years. But it seems like every indication, because I saw some Browns fans mentioning his name, it seems like every indication is they want to go younger. Well, this is it. This is what I'm thinking about. I would love to have Mike Munchak. Okay, I'd love if Dante Scarnecchia would love to come back. Like, those, yeah, those right. are fine. But I also, I can't keep talking about the three same offensive line coaches. So at some point, somebody's got to step up and be that guy. Hopefully, it'd be great if the Browns had a great season next year and they were like 12-5 and five and then ended up having, like, oh, Scott Peters doing a great job picking up right where Bill Callahan left off. That'd be great. It'd be great to have the next guy that works out for you. So I'm I'm willing if it is if it does end up being Scott Peters, obviously I'm willing to give it a chance. He worked underneath Bill Bill Callahan. He'll do things his own way, but but we'll see how it goes. I can't confirm anything yet. We're just a lot of us are assuming. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. Back to Watson's restructuring. I just think you have no choice. I know what I, what what Andrew Barry might have said to Zach Jackson yesterday down in Mobile, but I don't know if you necessarily have a choice because. If you don't trust Deshaun Watson to carry it forward without some of these people that you have to would possibly either restructure or let go, then you need to restructure his contract to make sure as much talent is around him. And you did this all for a reason. You have to try to strike while the iron's hot. Like they have to be thinking not just wild card round next year. Like we can we can put our okay, I think that they are a AFC championship team or a divisional round team. They need to be thinking Super Bowl. Because at some point the bubble's gonna burst. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two. Mike in Streetsboro, you're next up on the fan. Yeah, I mean, I agree with. I, I think that you know Deshaun doesn't want to be in a system that has structure. I think he kind of wants to run the offense the way he wants to run it. Well, I think. We, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I, and I think that that's really you know Kevin Stefanski's way of running the the offense is really turned out good, especially with Flacco. So I I don't know how that's going to work at all. Well, that's why I think that they had to bring in Dorsey, and that's why I'm, I, I can – this is not a, re, a report or anything, Mike, but I'm thinking that's, that's why they brought in Dorsey to probably call plays and to make it work in Sapatico with him because of the history he has with quarterbacks that can get out there and move. I know. I just – I guess, I, you know, you don't want to get rid of a good coach over a player, and, and hopefully that it won't come to that. Uh, clearly. Mike, thank you very much for the call. Let me get to Nick in Chagrin Falls. You're next up on the fan. Ken Anthony, I can't believe you guys are defending Deshaun Watson. First, he was an elite quarterback, right, Anthony? An elite athlete. Now he's a field quarterback. Listen, the guy hasn't done proven anything since he got here, other than cash and checks. Joe Flacco steps in. What was it? Four games in a row, three hundred plus yards. Unbelievable. No spring training. Nothing. You know what? These coaches. He did skip spring training. That's right. He was not right, in well, uh, Phoenix. Okay. Not in Scottsdale. Okay. Oh, good they, year. Good year. I'm sorry. All right. Well, regardless, these coaches, they got reputations. They make a lot of money. And these guys are leaving the Browns because they can see the writing on the wall with Deshaun Watson. It ain't going to work. And and it's sad because I've been. Wait a minute. They're leaving because they see. Life. Whoa, whoa, Nick. 
they're leaving. It's a preemptive strike because oh, no. they see the writing on the well, wall. Sure. That should be a bigger story. You got a reputation. <laughs> what if the guy goes nine and nine and eight? I don't believe you know, that Alex Van Pelt left on his own volition. Nick, I do not believe that Alex Van Pelt left on his own volition. No, no. Oh, I do. Yeah, that, well, I what do. What tells well, you he did? What's your source? No, no, no source. It's like when you're an adult, you make decisions for yourself. This guy, he left because he sees there's no future with Deshaun Watson. It's just that simple. <laughs> no. Oh, okay, Nick. you can laugh all you want, no, but Nick, I'll call Nick, you Nick. back. No, you can keep laughing, laughing, Kenny. <laughs> keep laughing. Wait a minute, Nick. Hey Lima. Nick. Hey Lima. Keep laughing. What? Go ahead, Nick. Hey Lima. I used to work with a, a Tony Lima on the beer trucks in the '90s. Any relation? I, people ask me that all this guy. This okay. guy has more fans than I do because I'm asked about him every day. You're awesome. Yeah. Hey, listen. You guys keep up the good job, but I'll call you next year around this time when we're when we go eight eight and uh, nine eight and nine. Okay? And that's seventeen. Yes, Nick. Thank you very much for the call, Nick. No one's defending him. I'm just telling you how it has to be. This is this is life. This is life with, with Deshaun Watson and the Browns. Unless you have a better idea, you can't trade him. Can't move on. I'm not willing to just give up on it. I do. You, I, I still thought there was some good play in there. How different? And do I you got think, no other choice. How different do you think the offense truly looks next year? Um, because oh, I, I think it's going to look a bit different. Well, I, here's part of what I wonder. Uh, you know, some people like that last caller, and I've heard others say like he's lost some athleticism. I haven't seen that. Have you seen that? No, I think he's running around like crazy. I mean, Wait, he, you think he's lost some athleticism? Okay, for a second, I, you gave me a look like, oh, I'm thinking it. So I don't think he's lost athleticism. You don't think so? Do you think, you know, there's all this talk about the structured offense. I said offense, you, I meant Owen, sorry. Do not, you think we're going to see it look a little, I know he's not as physically imposing as Josh Allen. Do you think it looks more like the Buffalo offense than it did the Deshaun and Cleveland offense last year? I think it's going to look more like the Houston offense. Okay. That's so, what he was great so in. So no under center, though. The Go under center stuff, basics. that dies with Joe Flacco. Well, you that, have is, to, that is done. And, and I agree with, like, Brian Baldinger, I think, is the one who said it. Like, you have to have some sort of threat to go under center for play action so to, to keep everybody honest. But if it's not going to do you any good, like, that's where the RPO came from, is that you had to keep some people honest, and you had to have something there where he's not just going to take it himself, and so the RPO was really born. It was basically born out of old draws, and that's the way it is. Where yeah, he's going to keep it. I I think that you can run some of that, but you also have to have a system where hey, you can take the ball right under center and and, and get going with a with an ISO if you really needed to. Maybe there's that, but I think the offense is going to probably look a lot like it did in Houston because we got to get back to making him comfortable. You got to get back to basics. It's not a it's it's not a defense. It's not an excuse. This is the truth of what it is. You ain't going nowhere. And this is what you have to do. That's why I have to say, yeah, man, you gotta, you're gonna have to restructure this contract, and you're gonna have to move on with him. Can I take this call? I'm dying to. It just says this. Isaac and Shaker Heights. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I was just listening at work, but I had got away from the radio, and I, 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 I forgive me for interrupting your subject matter. Right. I know it was talking about Watson, but that Nick had it all wrong. He, he was way off base. Basic thing is they have to win the Super Bowl within two because other than that, it's just a failure. And if Watson can do it, he can do it. If he can't, he can't. But it has nothing to do, as far as Nick is concerned, has nothing to do with Flacco because they fail to mention every time Flacco's six pick sixes. They fail to realize that the guy was a good, but he also was a flaw. He was Joe Flacco, and that's why he wasn't Most in the league. Most exciting anyway, quarterback anyway. I've ever seen. You right. didn't know what was going to happen on every throw. 
He gave us a, yeah, exactly. Really fact, good. Josh one, Naylor. That one, that one screen pass, he held back. He was like, nah, I'm not throwing this one. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, Nick got it totally wrong. Joe Flacco, come on, man. Uh, but anyway, we stuck with Watson, and that's what the subject matter is. That's and I'm agreeing with you, Ken. Mm-hmm. It's either, either, either he's going to sit on the pot or go. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say. You got but close, anyway, but good call. I got a perfect, I, yeah, I got All a right. perfect nickname. Here we go. Perfect nickname. You ready? Yeah. You ready? And you, Sammy White Lightning Merrill. White Lightning. What was the lightning part of it, Isaac, again, if you could repeat? Ken Ken was having problems with his his, uh, earphones. Huh? Sammy White Lightning No, Mitch is talking to us in his ear. Don't do that. We have a new producer, Isaac, unfortunately. So when we get an actual good call, which we finally have one, Mitch ruins the whole thing by talking in our ear. So go ahead one time. Hello? Yeah, one see, more time. What's going on? yeah, one more time. One, one, perfect nickname for, for Sam Merrill. Sammy Merrill. Did that one work? What? I didn't hear Did it. Did that one go over the air? No, I didn't hear it. See, Mitch is like, you, I heard him say Sammy Mitch Merrill. He's throwing his hands in the air. Wait, Owen, the nickname for Sam White Merrill Lightning. is Sammy? Owen's going Lightning. nuts. I'm checking. Yeah, see, I can't even hear. Here. As Isaac's still White? on, I can't even hear him. The Isaac. White... Put him what? on hold Isaac. and bring him back. Okay, we got him back now. All right, Isaac, you there? Thank you. Yeah, I'm there. All yeah, right, there. what's the nickname again? Coming in hot in seven minutes. Semi White Lightning. It's not working. I mean, it's lightning. not working at Something's all. Going on. The thing is, it's not working. Isaac. Is that Isaac. in monotone? Get... Can you do it in stereo? No, please. Fix the board. <laughs> Isaac, fix the board. Isaac, Isaac can you nickname? come in and fix the board? So here's what I need you to do, Isaac. <laughs> We're going to take a one-second pause. You count 1-1,000 one, 1, in your head. Then come right. say the nickname. Do one Mississippi. One, yeah. one Mississippi works better. Go ahead. White Lightning. M I S S I S S I P P I. It's not working. Okay, I didn't it. hear it. Yeah. Oh, that's too. Is it too politically incorrect? Is that what it is? What is it? No, it's just not no. working. Isaac, count out loud the one Mississippi thing. and then say it. Say one Mississippi, then yeah. say it. One Mississippi, White Lightning. Did you catch that? It's just not working. Okay. So I, Isaac, I'm sorry. We to gotta do. let you go. We've Thank had you very phone much for issues the, the last three minutes. I so don't, his name is Sam One Mississippi Merrill. I guess I didn't. Is no, that I like what the that. nickname I is? Like is, that. is it One Mississippi? That's a great Let's nickname. Do it. That I mean, it? That, I think it, it should be Sam from Three Mississippi. Well, for all the threes that he hits in a game, according yep. to Lima, One yep. Mississippi. Okay. I, is he from Mississippi? So let it be written, guys. So let it be done. If Rockage Mortgage Fieldhouse doesn't start chanting one Mississippi every time he shoots a three. I think it's a no-brainer. Isaac stumbled onto something. I love it. That's why we love calls like that. Somebody who thinks about it before they say it. Thank you. Once it gets through, and it's golden. Folks, there's a big change in the Big Ten coaching ranks. Nick Wilson and Spencer German have you covered during the new episode of It's Sons of the Shoe. Follow Sons of the Shoe on 923thefan.com and the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up next, folks. Coming in hot, you better keep your comments within the boundaries of good taste. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 